Sauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me tonight are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matthew Reginald Casal. It's Richard. And special guest, Mr. Dominic Yossi. Hello again. We are recording on December 2nd, and tonight we're going to talk about our favorite cartoons. Past, present, features, animated series, all kinds of cartoons. That's the name of the game tonight. But before we do cartoons, we do housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Which is also sort of an animated kind of take on uh, podcasting, if you will. You can go to McSauce.com. Check out the strips on Tuesdays and Fridays. The work week's long, and you want something funny at the end of the work week. So go there, check out our strips. You can also, in the middle of the week, get our podcast, and it'll help you get to the end of your horrible, horrible work week. Check us out on Facebook. Like us. Give us any kind of feedback that you have on each episode, or, or on the strips, or on our reviews, tell us that our opinions on comic books are stupid, or that our strips are stupid, or great, anything like that. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, go to mcsauce.podomatic.com. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio. If you're bored this weekend, you want to go and check out some holiday theme, because it is December, the holiday season, Christmas, if you will, on at the Oaks in downtown Oakmont on the 6th and 7th. It's a Wonderful Life is playing, so you can go and check out that horrible old film that I don't think that anybody has ever watched ever before. Who's seen It's a Wonderful Life all the way through? Several times. I have not. Yeah. I've never I've never seen it. Me neither. Matt, you're the only one of us that has watched the movie all the way through. But I hear it's three hours long. No, it's not three <clears> hours. <throat> I thought it was, but it actually, I just looked this up last week. It's about 135 minutes. It's like two, like two hours. A little over two hours, yeah. What's your take on A Wonderful Life? Uh, I think it's pretty good. It's... I mean, it's an old movie, but at the same time, it still feels not nearly as old as it actually is. It's, it's from the 50s, is that correct? Yeah. And um, it, it it's well acted, it has good performances, and it, you know, it's a good story. But what's interesting is the first half of the movie doesn't even take place during Christmas time. It takes place, like... I don't know, in the middle of the year or something. I think it takes place toward the end of the school year or something, because I think there's like a... Really? Yeah, really? there's like a... There's like a high school dance. For those of you keeping score <clears throat> There's a high school dance where the dance floor opens up and everybody starts jumping in the pool that's underneath. Um, it's not a Christmas movie? The first half does not take place during the holidays. The first half sets up... They're dancing? Jimmy Stewart's... Car- yeah, it's like a high school dance. And, and every- there's a pole that they're dancing there's a on dan- top of? Yeah, in the, in the gym or whatever. The floor is over top of the swimming pool, but the floor opens. Somebody opens up the floor, and people start, like, jumping in the water. Um, it's very rebellious for the late 40s. So... It uh, seems awful dangerous the first for half any of school it, dance. The first half <laughs> of it uh, takes place, um, you know... 
not during Christmas, and they set the characters up and everything, and then the actual, um, I don't know, the actual thrust of the movie as is, is oh, how dirty. <laughs> I was gonna say meat, but I guess that's equally yeah, the, as dirty. Yeah. The, the meat and potatoes of the movie, the the real plot kind of gets going after a really lengthy setup about halfway through, and at this point it's Christmas time, so. It's good, though. I like it. Uh, I'd recommend going to see it at the Oaks at 7 o'clock on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and if you're like if you're like Matt, you'll want to go and see it again in all its glory. If you're like Dom, Paul, and myself, you'll want to go see and experience it for the first time. And it does wrap up during the Christmas season, which we're balls deep in right now. And one thing that we want to talk about again is the McSauce Toys for Tots charity. We are looking to help out children in need or children in need. Oh, <laughs> and uh, if you go to McSauce.com, not only can you be greeted with wonderful strips and reviews, but also at the bottom of the page, you can give us, uh, you can donate to the McSauce. Toys for Tots charity. Any amount helps. We would really appreciate it. The deadline, since Toys for Tots deadline, I believe, is the 14th. The deadline for us is December 12th. So please, if you're going to donate, uh, send us along your donation by the 12th of this month so that we can use your generosity to help out poor little children in need this holiday season. Because the 13th will be our big... Toy extravaganza where we go out, pick up toys, puzzles, games, any kind of comic book type paraphernalia to donate to Toys for Tots. So once again, uh, McSauce Toys for Tots, December 12th is the deadline. Any amount is greatly appreciated by us here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Tonight, we are going to talk about cartoons, cartoons from our youth, cartoons from our teenage years, cartoons from now, and maybe even cartoons in the future that we're excited about. So to start off, our, I guess, top three favorite animated adventures, Mr. Dominic Yossi. When I was asked to be on the podcast because of this episode, because of uh, the childhood cartoons... You make it sound so regal. This is. This is serious. This is the first one. The first thing that came to my mind... Muppet Babies. Oh, oh, shit! Oh, told you. I was going deep. I love <laughs> Muppet Babies. How deep? Real deep. Balls deep. Balls, balls deep. deep. Real balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> Muppet right. Babies, a spinoff from the classic 70s The Muppet Show. The variety show that was huge with puppets. The only variety show that's ever been worth a shit. Why are there no variety shows anymore? There are. It's called America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. uh, Even it's like Saturday Night... No, no, not so much Saturday Night Live anymore. That's just scripted. Saturday Night Live was never a variety show, sir. Yeah. Muppet Babies from 1980. I don't know why they're... To 1991. Oh, I don't know why there aren't any variety shows. Did you enjoy variety shows, Matthew? The idea of them, yes. Like, I was never a Muppet show watcher because it was a little before my time. But I did like the Muppets. And I'm pretty sure that if 
I was a little bit older, I would have enjoyed the Muppet Show. I bought the Muppet, Muppet Show when it came out on DVD, and it was before my time, but it still held up. It was still really entertaining, considering the fact it's a show based around puppetry. Uh-huh. Like, it really held up. Like, it had like, kind of risky humor. It was actually really fun to go back and watch that. Yeah, what I like about the Muppet Show is that it's it's kind of a slice of that time period. You know, it takes you right back to the 70s when you watch it. And I think it gives you a pretty good idea of what was going on on television in the 70s. What was cool about The Muppet Show is that they could get all the big stars of that age. Everybody did The Muppet Show. Yeah. There was uh, all the Star Wars, all the Star Wars actors went one. and did The Muppet Show at one point as well. Well, even now you look at um, the latest Muppet movie with... Um, Amy Adams and they've always drawn the Jason biggest. Siegel. They've Jason always Siegel. drawn the biggest stars for what they do. And even still, it's like spinoff still Sesame Street. Like everyone who's everyone still gets asked to come on Sesame Street. There was uh, a trailer released for the new Muppet movie. It's called Muppets Most Wanted, and, and there for, are more people in that one than in the first one. Yeah, it looks like that, but. I don't. Amy Adams isn't involved in it, and neither is Jason Segel. I thought that they would be. I thought Jason like, Segel was rebooting it, but I guess he was just there as one of the figures to reboot. I thought he was going to be behind. Yeah, I thought movie, he like would the be Muppet push right because he's supposed to be brothers with that other Muppet, who's that new Muppet who's in the sequel. Um, but now you. Nobody likes new characters, by the way. Get that Muppet out of there. I like him. <laughs> What's his name? I forget his name. I don't. Know. <clears throat> I don't remember. Uh, we don't know that he won't make a cameo. That's true. That. He might. He might. Maybe he dies at the beginning, like in <laughs> like in Iron Eagle Two, when the main character from Iron Eagle One bit it, like in the <laughs> first three minutes. An Iron Eagle reference. <laughs> you remember? That's ridiculous. Wasn't his name Michael? That's ridiculous. And no, <laughs> I actually watched three episodes of Muppet Babies last night in preparation for tonight. Tell us about those episodes, but not too much. It, it was. They were amazing with the fact of like they do a lot of imaginary, like a lot of imagination using live action. Because the one episode had oh, stock car episodes, like they were race, they were like yeah, pushing were, like a Tonka truck around the right, room, right? And they were substituting like NASCAR clips mm-hmm. and Baja clips and rally racing clips. I remember they would always they would open always do Indiana Jones closet. And Star Wars they would open closet doors, and you would always have Star Wars or Indiana Jones footage. Yeah, yeah I realized always stock footage of something Steven Spielberg or George Lucas influenced. What I realized from watching Muppet Babies is that Nanny fucking sucked. She was never watching them. They were always no, up they, they were in their own room by themselves, completely unattended. Now how many of those kids were there? There was like twelve of them. There was yeah, there was at least twelve. And They're every, babies. Every now and again, you would get a bunch a bunker or a Bunsen and Beaker episode, or the random. This is new Muppet flavor of the week character. Yeah, there were always just random kids unattended in that room. Doing whatever the hell, like jumping off couches and stuff. Can't have that nowadays. I think a theme of this podcast and the things that we watched in the child and during our childhood in the eighties, great theme songs. All the old cartoons back in the eighties had really fucking awesome theme yeah. songs. Papa Baby's not excluded. No, they had it. I, I was singing along last night. I downloaded a bunch of episodes. Questionably on the legality of them. 
Um, but I, I did the Let's just say illegal. Yeah, we'll just say illegal for the sake. Dom Yossi, um, come find him. I, all five, six, seven seasons, however many there were, I downloaded the whole thing. And I was specifically looking up specific episodes to find out so I can watch them last night. Muppet Babies also was part of a Saturday morning block of cartoons, which is something that I think the kids of today, maybe they don't give a crap about it, but that was something that was really important to me was the Saturday morning cartoon lineup. I still... Awesome. Meant like for some reason, whenever I wake up on Saturday and I look at the clock, if it's like 8 o'clock, I still kind of mentally think, I'm like... Wonder what, what is there any cartoon? Yeah, there's like a whole like bunch of. Saturday there should be like five or six awesome cartoons that I can watch in this time span. I remember waking up early sometimes. Yep. Yeah. to check out. I had stuff. I bounced between the three. Like the two. I had it all mapped out. Saturday, yeah, you would start out on Fox and then you jump to CBS and then you jump went over to ABC. I went between all three. I had a schedule. You did not break them. There was a time in the eighties. Where, when the fall lineup came out, on Friday night, they would do a fall lineup uh, production where they would introduce the new shows and the returning shows. They would have, they would have from, from the sitcoms, from the popular sitcoms, I remember Perfect Strangers did a little bit, like they had live action stuff with, you know, Belky and, and Larry talking about the new cartoons that were coming out. And that was a major thing that they did for probably, I would say, maybe three years, somewhere around there, before they started really downshifting, getting away from the Saturday morning cartoons. But it was a big deal, man. I, I remember, like, even, like, the one, like, the CBS block is the one I think I remember the most. Like, it, was, it had, like, a bunch of kids behind the control room. I remember like, that because CBS was Muppet Babies, yeah, it was Babies, Garfield, it Garfield was, and Friends. Yes, CBS at one point time I think had Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I be, they also had the I think Back to the Future run uh, for like a little bit. Yeah, for a little bit. I don't know how you guys remember net, what networks and what times. So I remember. I remember on. ABC always had the Disney stuff. They always because had, they were, yeah. yeah were they, they owned by Disney, or did they just have a partnership? I think they had the time? partnership that eventually led yeah. to the purchase. Because they had Aladdin, and they had Aladdin. They had their couple more. They're on my list. We'll get into that later. Do oh boy, can't wait for those. Oh man! Do you guys yeah. remember the USA Network Cartoon Express? I love the cartoon. The Cartoon Express, yes. yes. They did the old, like a lot of old Hanna Barberas, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those were good, like the old Laugh Olympics and stuff. Oh, Laugh Olympics was great. I love that. They also did the like Space Ghost, mm-hmm. the Herculoids. Space, yeah. Uh, there was one other one too. I forget. Do you remember, Paul? I do. Do you? I remember. Okay. I remember those fondly. I, remember, I may. I may remember, remember more about that stuff than I do about Muppet Babies. Really? Though both had, you know. Took a pretty big chunk of my time as a child. <clears throat> Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's, Pee-wee's that, Playhouse that was, was, a, was on like, CBS. It, and it was it was right after Muppet Babies, I want to say. Yeah, it, it was near the, kind of the end of the yeah. cartoon block. I always hated as we approached noon. I started to feel bad because it was over, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, because you know, I always knew that when Saved by the Bell was on, it was time for me to go outside and play. Yeah. Well, Saturdays when the live action shit showed up, that me- that was like that's a yeah. Good Saturday, game. I was Saturday mornings growing up. I used to bowl, and whenever you saw 
Like, whenever Pee-wee's Playhouse came on, that's when, like, that's when I, I, we had to leave for bowling. So I never, but I remembered, you're like, once the cartoons were over, and you're like, once the intro to Pee-wee's Playhouse, I was just like, oh, I got to get ready for bowling now. And that's when my Saturdays kind of ended. I love that. Saturday morning is now Wednesday night for you. <laughs> do you still bowl? I, I do still bowl, actually. And now I've got bumped to Wednesday nights. Can you teach me how? Because I can't bowl for shit. I can't. I will. Uh, I have when, a gimpy wrist, by the way. Wednesday, uh, you can join us. We go to the comic book shop, and then I go bowling. So Wednesdays are pretty exciting. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. So, Dom, number three on your list is, is Muppet Babies, and you watched a couple episodes I went, I went off strong. Muppet Babies was easily was probably last, one. Last night you watched these episodes. I did. They I actually w- still do hold up in all yeah, honesty. I, w- I would guess that something like Muppet Babies would hold up still. Yeah. There's, there's enough pop culture where there's enough... Or I can't say pop culture. But there's enough cutaways. What is pop culture? It was Indiana Jones, Star Wars. Yeah, you know what? There was yeah. pop culture for the for Yeah, the it was time. pop culture for the area. And like, I'm sitting there watching. Like, you, it's like Instead of seeing like, imaginations or you... Family Guy has the cutaways, but they had the imagination. Fozzie Bear would say something like, that was the worst joke, joke I ever told. And then he goes off into a faded memory of him telling the worst joke. And, but yeah, it actually, it's still the same format as a lot of cartoons now. So and you're saying Muppet Babies is the precursor to Family Guy. It really could be. If you watch a couple episodes, you can easily see, hey, you know what? They say something. Kermit's clearly the Peter Griffin analog. Uh, Fozzie Bear is the Peter Griffin <laughs> I'm sorry. Fozzie's the Peter Griffin. Excuse me. Maybe a Gonzo as well. What I always wanted to know, a couple things about Muppet Babies. Number one, where the hell were a lot of the Muppets that were in the movie that were missing from, you know, the group? Like Like Dr. Teeth and the... Yeah, and the Electric Mayhem. And where... Where the fuck did Skeeter come from? Did she die after? It's like... (laughs) Did she have, like... That's where Muppet Teens went all wrong. Mm-hmm. I think oh, she got hooked on Muppet heroin. Probably did. Muppet meth, selling that Muppet ass, and got <laughs> Muppet murdered. Getting that Muppet From her Muppet pimp. Muppet pimp. I don't know why they never... One of those dudes in the balcony that we just referenced. There's a, there's a whole generation... Orphan Statler. I think we're probably in that generation that would consider Skeeter one of the Muppets. Yeah. Why didn't? Why hasn't she been introduced as one of the Muppets? Like, why yeah, wasn't she? She's in never had a Muppet. She's all I'll tell you why. Eagles Muppet. I'll tell you why. Because Scooter, over the last several Muppet movies, has been like phased out almost completely. He's not even. Well, Scooter uh, ran the, the 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 theater hall that the Muppets worked right, out of right. the Muppet Show. Right. So if they're not in that hall, there's no use for Scooter. Well, he was pretty prominent in the first three features to a degree but after Muppets Take Manhattan then they made Muppets in Space I think that mm-hmm. was the next one and then they also made a Muppets pirate movie which Muppet I was in Treasure Island I was informed this week that my cousin ran out of the theater because it was too scary for that's him. what I want to see Muppet Murder yeah, on the yeah, high seas. It well, was, they made something about that was too scary. They made a Muppet Christmas Carol, which we can get into for the Christmas episode, um, which was directed by Brian Henson, coincidentally. Really? Yeah, Jim Henson's son. And then after that, they made the the Muppet Treasure Island, the like the treasure Parts island. Of the, it's the it's Caribbean the Treasure Island the story with the Muppets. I wanted I was, where they where they started to get into like. 
taking classic literature and then injecting the Muppets into it. After a couple, you know, somewhat lukewarm, I think, responses after those two, then they went back and did Muppets from Space, which might be the worst of all the Muppet movies because they they established Gonzo as an alien instead of his... A weirdo? weirdo. His whatever. Gonzo's whatever. always been a weirdo. I thought he was a weirdo. See, he, he was a weirdo. He was a whatever. Gonzo faced the same problem Boba Fett and Wolverine do. They're more interesting when you don't know their backstory. Overexposure. Mm-hmm. I don't need Gonzo origins. He's a weirdo. Maybe he, he was like one of the main admitted. characters because... Dave Golez, I think his name is, the puppeteer that does Gonzo, was like the only original. Because you had Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and Dave Golez. I think those guys made up the bulk of the Muppet characters. And by the time Muppets in Space, I want to say he was the only remaining puppeteer that was involved. Could be wrong. Frank Oz may have done that one. I don't need to see Gonzo's dad, Django Gonzo. <laughs> It's better we don't know where he came from. Now, Paul, what uh, what cartoon would be number three? Now, these aren't... We're <clears throat> not really ranking them as one, two, and three. We're just talking about three ones that we like. Three, well, three that are important to us, because if we were going to rank number one of all time, we would all pick Batman the Animated Series. We've covered it. We've been through that ground. We all know... It is the highest of heights, the zenith, the apex, the pinnacle of animation. So we're not talking animated series tonight. We're talking some other stuff. And I'm going to go from the 80s and come current, and I'm going to pick Adventure Time. I hated the idea of Adventure Time. I saw commercials for it on Cartoon Network, and it looked fucking stupid. It looks ridiculous with its basic animation. I didn't animation. know what the hell it was. I agree with you. And that was that was part of the problem. You see, like the just the clips made no fucking sense. You see a kid, and I guess this is a dog, and they're in a candy village with candy people. But then you see other clips where like he turns into a werewolf, but he's called a hug wolf because he gives hugs, and so much crazy. Shit, and I wanted nothing to do with it. Until There's also a lot of hype that surrounded Adventure Time. You would see these schmucks running around with the Finn hat on, and you right. just wanted to punch them directly in their face. Right. When we were at Comic-Con, and would see all the home slice outfits, and would be like, what the fuck is that? I'm sure there were times where I'd see the Finn hat <laughs> with the ears. I don't know what it's really called. Home front. Home slice. <laughs> Home skillet. Team Fortress. Team Fortress. Team Fortress. What's Team it called? Home stock. Home, home stock. stock. I'm sure there are times I'd see the fin hats and everything, and what the fuck is that? Oh, it's Adventure Time. Until uh, Cartoon Network one day had, they ran a marathon of Adventure Time after Green Lantern, the animated series. Wasn't it? It was uh, like Memorial Day weekend or something. It was sometime where, because I got locked in the same... Marathon. I'm sitting there watching Adventure yeah, Time, I watched, and you can watch them back to back to back to back for fucking days. At that point, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, I saw I saw that it was coming on. I was like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll check this thing out. I'll, I'll I'll at least give it an episode. I'm already on the couch. I'm already on the TV, and I was in for fucking 
hours. I, I was, lost a, an entire day watching an Adventure Time marathon. I didn't watch it until I saw it on Netflix. I saw one day Netflix opened up the Cartoon Network floodgates. They had Powerpuff Girls. They had Chowder. They had all kinds of like, all of their program. And I saw Adventure Time. I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I, it drew me right in. I was in on Adventure Paul, Time. why do you like it? One compound word, Matt. World building. Mathematical. Yikes. Because, like, that's what Adventure Time's done. It, it looks like a silly, ridiculous kids show. But it, I wanna, it, it I is wanna... deep. Because they have, they have Candy Princess. Yeah, I don't want to say there are deeper... Well, I don't want to say deeper themes, because that makes it sound like it's some big epic. But there's a... there Honestly, there's a thin layer of that under all the silliness that goes on over top. There's... There's love triangles and, you know, character tragedies. And there's a running storyline through the entire series. I guess what happened was, is the land, the world that Adventure Time takes place in, takes place in the way far future. Dystopian future, if you will, but it's not all that fucked up. There was some atomic war on Earth and everything went to shit, but it resulted in Magic returning to the land. And Finn, the main kid with the blue shirt and the hat with the ears, he's the only human. He doesn't look like a human. He's just wearing a hat. It's a hat. But when he takes his hat off, he does. It's a... He has weird arms and legs. It's an art style. And, and a hat. hat. I see. Like, it's... You know, it's a choice. He has uh, his dog, Finn, his dog, Jake, who can... Change his size, uh, you know, he's like, essentially, Mr. Fantastic is a dog. Stretch as far as he wants, you know, get down real tiny, jump in Finn's pocket. Do all all kinds of shit. How did he get his powers? You don't know. That's just part of this magic. new future so adventure. So they better not but... reveal how he got his powers, because then he'd be ruined, right? Right. Okay. And that's kind of what's cool about Adventure Time, is that they don't get into any of that. They do with, like, Ice King's the big bad guy. What I like about the Ice King is that he keeps trying to steal princesses, because deep down, he just wants to be loved, but he keeps kidnapping women and <laughs> locking them up to try to accomplish that. Something that appeals to your sensibilities. Uh, yeah, serial killers are guilty of that, too. Yeah, the guy um, who voices SpongeBob SquarePants, Tom Kenny, he does the Ice King's voice. And there's, um, like, Finn's, Finn's the only human. You go around, you see all these different all these different uh, towns and worlds that take place on this one Adventure Time Earth. But Finn's the only... Uh, he's, he's the uh, only human. And then there's one episode where you meet this other person who looks human, and all of a sudden, the episode takes this serious turn where Finn's like, I might not be the only human. Like, I may have just found more of me. And it's fairly heavy for all the... All the silliness that normally goes on. And then it turns out they're not really human. There's some weird kind of hybrid that only looks human. But there's... It's a... There's a lot of deeper shit going on than you'd normally think watching one of the silly previews. When did you become a fan of this show? This Uh, sounds like not your thing at all. It's, uh, I'd say, three years, three, three and a half years ago. Wow. Oh, see, I'm, I'm only within the year. Like, once it hit Netflix, that's when I kind of was able to binge on it. Yeah, 
the the main the main girl is uh, Princess Bubblegum, and I guess she's like Finn. Finn's the main the main character. I guess he's about fourteen. I think Princess Bubblegum is nineteen ish, twenty, and Finn's in love with her. But she's always like, "Oh, you're you're too uh, you're 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 too young, too old." Respect for the statutory age limit, right? And then some magic spell goes wrong, and they become the same age for a little bit. Uh oh. Uh oh. Hilarity ensues. But then, like, she has to make the choice to return to being her normal age to rule the Candy Kingdom again, and that means leaving Finn. So there's like dramatic heartbreak. Yeah, it's a really weird, like weird dichotomy in the show. And I love Lumpy Space Princess. Lumpy Space Princess is is hilarious. I like Jake because uh, John DiMaggio from Futurama voices him. He has the same kind of Bender-ish tilt to. Speaking of, are, are, is everyone a fan of Futurama? I'm a fan of Futurama. Is that on anyone's list? I've it is ne- not. I've never on seen an episode of Futurama. Really? Really? Never. Not wow. Futurama for me is better than The Simpsons. Yes. I I enjoy it much more than. There's only comedies. one episode of Futurama that I cannot watch, which would be the one with the dog. When oh, Friday's, that's sad. Whenever they yeah, go the into dog, yeah, the dog is just. Like, you see the, the time passing. That one's so that. sad. And you see the dog just waiting there for Fry, and you know he's frozen, and that dog just waits and waits. I, I, I won't, it's not even, I won't even watch that last segment. If I know it's that episode, I don't watch it at all. I completely protest that episode. But I love Futurama. I have all the seasons. I celebrate the entire catalog. I've never seen it. Do you like The Simpsons? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Adventure Time is sort of like a uh, a change for you, Paul, because it doesn't seem like it fits into the kind of serious things that you like typically. Really, really quirky comedy, but I feel like it goes so far off the rails that it almost comes all the way back around to something that I am into. Whereas there's, there's a lot of stuff that people like, and I just don't I, like. I understand why. People like them. I see why they're entertaining. Like, um, all the Monty Python stuff. I understand why people like them. I know what's supposed to be funny, but I don't like any of that stuff. I I just just can't get into it. But Adventure Time seems to push so far into the, like, just really absurd. It just brings it all back home for me. The Monty Python stuff has an element of just way too much hype. The first time that I watched... Any kind of Monty Python. I think it was uh, the Holy Grail. I watch it in a room full of people who had seen it so many times that they could that do quoting. the whole thing. And it was really That's not a good environment to watch it. I didn't like it one bit. No, I'm a fan Don't of give a shit Monty about Python. the Knights of Knee or whatever the shit they do. <laughs> don't That's give a, bad a statement. fuck. I, I, think, I don't care. Knights um, who say knee, uh, address everything to at the sauce. <laughs> Bring it on, dorks. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So let's move around the table. Uh, Ian, your number three cartoon. Number three, we'll take it back to the 80s. Jace and the Weird Warrior. Woo! Look out. Wow. For those who aren't familiar with Jace and the Weird Warriors, it's an intergalactic quest to find Jace's father. Pretty typical stuff. Jason's dad was a botanist that was 
fiddling around with... Oh, so that's how all the plant shit happens. Yeah, he he was messing around with plants. You should never do that and combine them with, you know, monster DNA or whatever the fuck. What a, it, it resulted in plants that were able to transform into wheeled vehicles. Jace's dad flees throughout the galaxy, and it is... Jace and his Lightning League's task to kind of track down and help out his father um, and combat the monster mines, which are the the enemy vehicles. Jace, as in the title, has a, a bunch of different machines that they all ride around in. Lots of lots of <coughs> missiles and blades and stuff like that. One of the bad guys is apparently called Sawboss. Sawboss is the leader of the monster mines. And there's also a terror this. tank. I do not remember this at all. You don't remember Jason the Wheeled Warriors. I do not. They, they traveled around on a... I think it was the Ark. It was a, it was a flying barge ship, sail sailboat ship. It looks. Looking at these pictures, they look very Thundercatsy. A lot of the things it from like that era. I believe that time. it was a Rankin and Bass joint, if I'm not incorrect. See, I remember. I remember the toys more than I do the show. Like I had a ton of these toys. I used to play with them all the time because all the parts were were interchangeable. You could take the stuff from the good guy vehicles and put them on, and the, bad put them guys, on the bad guys and vice versa. So I remember, I remember the toys, but I don't have much recollection of the cartoon. It was a constant, they were constantly traveling from world to world. Each episode was a new world where something something different would happen. Each episode was, was self-contained, but it had the bigger story of the constant quest to find Jace's father. And I, I would imagine figure out what was going on and how to stop the monster mines and how to stop this plant life that was taking over the galaxy. It had a lot of stuff that I liked. It had sort of like robot cyborg things. It had transformation, which is what the monster mines did. They transformed into these vehicles. It had space travel, which was something that I still like. So it had some elements of transformers. Um, it, it had elements of star Wars combined into this, World that kind of looked like Thundercats, uh, Silverhawks, that kind of that kind of stuff, and and I, I really I really dug it. Um, I had no recollection of Jace and the Wheeled Warriors when you said it. Mm-hmm. So the thought that came into my head was a group of <laughs> like warriors in wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say murder ball. Why would they at least be on roller skates or something? Well, if they can't use their legs. I don't know. That's just what I I didn't hadn't pictured these futuristic vehicles. I just thought there was like a a gang of wheelchair uh, people. <laughs> I'm looking this they, up on Wikipedia. See, and I would I would first go to the weird things from the, the wheelers. 80s Wizard of Oz sequel. The wheelers that yeah, had the wheels, wheels for, for hands. hands, and they were the creepiest. Because those were creepy. They were creep. They were really creepy. Jason the Wheel Warriors. Uh, JMS was a writer on the series, developed a, by J. Michael Straczynski. A quote that I thought was hilarious today that I read was that when when given the the premise of what he was to write, he said that he hijacked a dopey concept to make it something more, and I think that's really really pretty funny. I think that he accomplished that from my. 
my recollection of what Jason the World Warriors was. I thought it was a it was a good theme. The episodes always entertained me. It had some some comedic beats. It had a little robotic a little robotic knight. I don't remember what his name was. He was a little knight that kind of had its own snarf. Yeah, is what you're saying. It was, it, it was like snarf or orco or R two D two C three PO. Whatever whatever you'd like to call it, it had that comedic beat to it, and he was it was he was funny. It had your Han Solo. I think his name was Herc. He flew the the ship. He kind of looked like Han Solo. I want to say. Herc Storm Sailor. Holy motherfucker. Wow. <laughs> is is Oon the little robot you're thinking of? Probably. Oon is an eternal squire created by Smire, Squire Smith Wixland. Yes. Jesus. Had some medieval elements. I like that kind of stuff. So it mashed a lot of things that I liked up. I, I liked back in the 80s. And uh, they're also today reading up on it, doing my show prep, as I always do. There was a movie commissioned. Holy shit. <laughs> Tell me it was live action. Jace in the World Warriors. It was, it was not live action. It was animated. However, as the looks on all your faces are, when I brought it up, the looks of puzzlement and the Jason the World Warriors cartoon did poorly. And the, the toy sales were also shitty. So no... No no cartoon series for Jace. I'm looking this up on Wikipedia. Well, Jace and the Wheeled Warriors only had a three-month run. That's why I'm looking at it. <laughs> original run, September of... I have of an amazing 80, memory. That's September what we of 85 to December of 85. It but, didn't even make but, it a full season. No, but you shut your mouth because they made 65 episodes. Whoa, they packed it in. 65 episodes in four months. Like two a day. That's a, that's a, That's a way to go. See, I, I remember having the toys. I don't remember anything about the show, but I remember. But it had, it had what I call GI Joe theory, where all the bad guy shit was way cooler than the good guy shit. One of the one of the rating themes about all eighties cartoons are that they had incredibly strong and dynamic villains, and I think that's one of the reasons why. For at least my, I can only speak for myself, but that's why. 80s cartoons resonate with me because they had such great villains. The, yeah. the way that they were, the way they were designed, was awesome. Yeah, Sawboss was pretty cool. Big giant head transformed into uh, a vehicle with a giant saw blade on the top. Plants and biomechanics all worked in together. Yeah, if you really look cool. The monster minds, uh, you know, they're way cooler than the Lightning League. Yeah, the Lightning League. Alliteration aside. The, yeah, the Lightning League sucked, and I like I remember rooting for Sawboss and the bad guys all the time because they looked yeah. fucking awesome. One of my most vivid memories from childhood is playing with the Sawboss toy. That's another thing about the '80s cartoons was the the close tie-in with the toys and the action figures. That I I almost want to say that it was. Jumping out of the 70s and the kind of toys that you could have, there were leaps and bounds away from just the plain old Star Wars toys that you could get moving into like G.I. Joe's, Transformers, things that could turn into other things and combine Or that, or that did stuff. things, like had buttons where shit shoots yeah, out of them. Yeah, out of them now. Squeeze their legs together All and the they pump something. their arms. Yeah. 
Of course, the Secret Wars figures didn't do a whole lot, did they? They didn't. They were pretty shitty. But at least they looked good. They looked good, and, you know, hey, Spider-Man had a bent toe. Did he have a bent toe? His foot was bent on his... One of his feet actually was bent as if he was standing on his toe. The Spider-Man in the black outfit, the alien outfit, I had from that Secret Wars line, mm-hmm. and I played with that. I, I, I'm going to be honest, until I was like 13, 14 years old. It was great. I love that. That action figure. I know we're not allowed to talk about Batman the Animated Series, but those were the last toys that I played with. They came out in 92, and I can remember owning, I think I got the whole line of, the first line of characters. So it was Batman, Robin, Joker, Penguin, Two-Face, and the Riddler. Would you mix in Bob the Goon from the movie with Yeah, probably. But I can remember playing with them. And it just wasn't fun anymore, and I felt kind of stupid, but I wanted it to be great, because those are some of the nicest-looking action figures ever. They are. They, they were really good. That's a, that's a big reason why uh, a lot of the a lot of stuff from the 80s, because they had that time to the action figures, was, was so good. But, uh, were you, wh- who, were we ta- who were we looking at? Share with the class? Well, Dom and I are looking up hot anime flora from Jason the Wheel Warriors. Who I believe is part plant if I, if Wikipedia <clears throat> serves me well. Is that true? I believe she was created by... By the plant people? Not by the plant people, but by Jason's dad. Hmm. So she's not even a human. You can still do whatever ner- with a dirty n- thing that you want to but with Jace her. puts the bones to her. Flora was That's created from a flower for. by Gillian and Audrak. She has telepathic powers so she can sense monster minds and can, can communicate yeah. empathetically with animals and plants. I'd like to it watch... sounds way deeper than the images of the show that have been looking up. Yeah, I'd like to watch it again if there's... I, I doubt that it's on Netflix or that there's a DVD release from something that was only around for a hot second... Uh, the entire series exists in French as two DVD box sets. I don't think I'm going to learn French to watch Jason. Several compilations were available on VHS tapes in the 80s. And ex-rental copies can occasionally still be found on eBay. You know, looking looking back at some of the pictures, some even now, some of this shit's pretty cool. I don't think I'm going to go dig it up and try to find it, but... Like, when I eventually the, buy it for the mix sauce... Viewing party, we'll watch Jason the Weird. Currently, Warriors all together. 65 episodes of the series are available on iTunes in two volumes. They were available on Netflix in Canada, but have since been randomly removed. They are all available on DVD from Netflix in the U.S. in the Shout Factory four disc volume one version, but not for. That's something trailer. that I would own, so maybe I'll have to. It is available. go to iTunes and check it out. Yeah, build up that build up that cloud library. Mm-hmm. So let's move on from Jason and Wheel Warriors, a show fondly remembered by one of us. Matt, give us a cartoon. All right, so I came here tonight with no show prep. Uh, other than Other than a few things that had been kind of bouncing around in my head because I was just really struggling remembering... Certain shows from my childhood that I remember more than just, oh yeah, I remember that show. Like, I couldn't remember storylines or anything like that. Which really surprises me. It kind of surprises me, too. Um, But, as I've been sitting here, a few things have come to me. And, um, 
I believe we started in the 80s and then Paul brought us to present day and then sharply decided we were going back to the 80s. Well, I'm going to take us to the to the mid 1990s. Ooh, I like this. And I'm going to and I'm going to take us to MTV. Ah, where they had a short-lived TV series based on a popular comic book at the time called The Max. The Max was a comic book by Sam Keith about a... Um, we don't really even know what he was. Was he a hero? Was he a bum? He kind of skirted the line between reality and some kind of weird dream world kind of fantasy land thing where he was kind of a king and the girl that he loved who was just a regular caseworker chick with some kind of queen in this world. Honestly, I don't even know what the thing was about. But it had an incredibly sweet, distinct art style that to this day I can remember. And this is all based on my memory of it because it has never come to DVD. It's never come to any kind of uh It has come release. back to your local comic book shop, though. Uh, that's they, right. They, they just re-released. Yeah, they, just, they just re-released. Um, I believe uh, same stories. Like they're re-releasing them with like new cover art, mm-hmm. and I believe he's using all the same panels for new stories. I believe. What? I can't remember. I might. It might just be new covers. I How do you know what you just said? I thought he. I thought they were he was making like new movies now or new issues. New issues using the, the the same artwork, but new stories. I, th- I, th- I think like he's adding new speech bubbles. Okay, but it's still the same yeah, story. I, probably same same yeah okay. same story, but new speech bubble. But yeah, they're, that actually just got released a couple weeks ago. They started pushing out Max again. Yeah, yeah that I, was on MTV circa their Liquid Television. Oh God, I loved Liquid Television. Yeah, there was the some Brothers re- Grimm. Aeon uh, Flux. Aeon Flux, the head. The head. I love the I, head. I love the head. Guess who hated Liquid Television? This guy. It's, it's me. <laughs> Except H- the... Hater McHaterson. Except the Max. The Max was the only thing on Liquid Television that I liked. I don't know why. I don't remember a lot about it. It just seemed so fucking random, even at the time when I was watching it. But there was something about it. I think it may have been the character design of the Max himself. It, yeah, it was the character it was design, but it was also the design of the show in general. Like, they had... The way that they brought the the comic book to life on the show was incredibly, like, unique. It was, it was so creatively done. There's a sequence in the first issue where a couple cops pick up the Max because he's, like, drunk or passed out or something, and they think he's just some bum... They had fallen asleep on the street. So they pick him up and they put him in the back of the car. And um, you see the cops driving and you see it from like the back seat of the car. You see it from the Max perspective. And the two cops are silhouetted driving along. And the way they did it was they, they did them in live action. Whereas like the little grate in front of them is animated, it's drawn. And it just had a really, really cool look. And that was right out of the comic book. So... That was one of the things that I really appreciated was how liter- literally translated the book was to the show. Um, what? what? Who published the original Max comic? Image. 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 Yeah, Sam Keith through Image. I don't know how many issues it went. I want to say somewhere maybe around 40. 35. Okay. I want to get that run. 35 and the TV show went 13. 
And it's actually, the full episodes are able to stream on liquidtelevision.com. Really? Which, yes. There's a liquidtelevision.com? Yeah. Wow. Episodes of That's got to be a fan site. No, now streams free <laughs> on MTV's Liquid TV reboot, liquidtelevision.com. So it's, it's, it's MTV sponsored. So they support I'm going to it right now. You guys don't care if I watch this for the rest of the show, do you? I keep the volume down. Boy, did 13-year-old Ian Sharpley like the Max's Julie Winters. Hell yeah, dude. I loved her. I don't know. It's not like she was the most beautiful thing on earth, but the way that Sam Keith drew her Mm -hmm. was just really, it was real sensual. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with this. The... The female, the the cartoon females that I really had huge crushes on, would be her. Um, the the chick cat from Heathcliff. <laughs> and, like, what what a call! Or like the no, the, no, 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 the no, no, cat. No. So I liked her too. Oh um, yeah! I was gonna wait. I wait. forgot what she looked like. She oh, had that's like dirty. Like um Wow. She had like, leg workout leggings yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah workout so, leggings. And She's then, wearing invisible high heels like at all times. Uh Scarlet and from G.I. Joe and then uh Daphne from, from Scooby Doo. I, I, I guess like, I have a thing for redheads. I would like to offer up uh that female chip mouse chip chipmunk from Chippendale's Rescue. Gadget, Gadget. Get your shit together. Gadget Gadget was sexy. Oh, Gadget so, was yeah, really so was sexy. so was oh, I'm gonna go deep here. So was <laughs> Pam, the mom on Goof Troop. Oh yeah, sexy. You lost Ooh. all. Was she a dog? I didn't lose dog. Dog no, was with me. Was, was, was she a dog? She was possibly she was a, a dog. She was, was she a... Goofy's mom? Oh, she really? she was the she was yeah, the mom, neighbor's mom she was the neighbor's wife, and she was sex. She wasn't human. I she think, wasn't human. I think what Ian just admitted is it admitted is that he likes cuckolding. <laughs> Did that did that help you out in your attraction that she was already married? I was I I was very young at that point. I don't think that I had developed that that uh, deep of a, that that acute of a uh, fetish palate at that point. Yeah. yeah. Am I wrong? But but tell me now. To, uh, am I wrong? Gadget, no. Gadget was cute as Gadget well. Was really Gadget cute. was where it's at, man. Give me some Chitara from Thundercats. Absolutely. Well, wait a second. I've got. Well, we do. We're doing. We're doing animation you know boobs right you know right what? now. I think that some I'm of rolling, our I'm some of our listeners will like that we're doing animation boobs right now. They've called for our takes on boobs. What everyone needs to do is Google gadget Chippendale Co- cosplay. cosplay. Oh, good heavens! That's where it's at. It really is. That is. That's the way to go. Hmm. So this took a real turn. I have no idea where. Well, oh, we were talking about the Max. I didn't expect this. Julie from the Max. I don't remember anything about that show other than liking it. And then I guess Aeon Flux followed it up because I just want to turn it off because that shit was so weird. Oh, I, I loved Aeon. Flux. I loved Aeon Flux. Yeah, I Good really man. liked it. Yeah, the Max was the Max was a great show. It was a great book. It was so trippy and weird as he went from the Australian outback back to New York City. You were unsure what was reality and what was what was uh, in his imagination. 
the the villain in that, Mister Gone, was pretty pretty striking, pretty cool looking bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really dug that. Were you a Sam Keith fan as a comic book buyer and reader before the Max, Matt? Yeah, a little bit. I had a couple Marvel Comics presents that he drew. Uh, there was, I think, an annual where he did at least the cover. Wolverine was on the cover. I thought that was a. It was cool that he was kind of kneeling. If I remember correctly, he was like at a on a dock and he wasn't wearing his costume, but he had the very over exaggerated, accentuated, spiky hair that like the way Sam Keith would draw. And it wasn't until. I got a little bit older that I realized quite how kind of incorrect a lot of Sam Keith's art tends to be. Does that bother you now? No, not really. Um, But I recognize it. But it doesn't really bother me. Now, if if, if there were a new artist that came along that had incorrect proportions Mm. and a bad sense of anatomy, not that he has a bad sense of anatomy, but an over-exaggerated sense of anatomy, would you be less likely to be a fan of it if it was something similar to Sam Keith? No, because I would say there is a similar artist, uh, the way you just described that, Trad Moore. He's the guy that drew uh, The Strange Tale of Luther Strode. Very over-exaggerated anatomy, um... Doesn't exactly have the same kind of style, but a lot of the sensibilities are the same. Sam Keith was a very scratchy kind of artist. Uh, a lot of his characters had things were shredded in their their costumes were always shredded in, in tatters, like, in and tatters, stuff. and like they were always in like curves. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say so. Yeah, a lot of Wolverine, a lot of Ghost Rider mm-hmm. images like that. I was always a fan of Sam Keith. He did a lot I, I of work on guys. Sandman. He did. You love the he Max? Did. So yeah, yeah. I have probably probably the first two years of the Max. Well, that's almost the whole run. Well, being an early image comic, that's probably the that's probably the first the first five. Issues. Yeah, eight or eight or that's yeah, yeah. Or yeah, and yeah, yeah. if it was image and it was a number one, a number two, a number three, I ate that shit up. I probably have almost every image book. Every number one image book, I just went out and fucking bought it. It didn't matter what it was. I was that much of a fanboy. So it came out. I went to the shop and bought it. Since you guys were balls deep in image from the beginning, did you realize what was going on with um, with the Max? I yeah, I read the Max. In fact, my dad read the Max and collected the Max at that point. What do you mean realize what was going on with it? Were you like, oh shit, they're making a cartoon yeah, yeah, yeah. of this car? Yeah. I have to watch this. It was a it was a big it was a big deal. At the same time, we're reading comic books. What what's the other thing that we're doing? We're watching music videos too. So that that was they were I, one and the same. I think the reason I knew about it was because Wizard Magazine hyped the shit out of it and said it was coming on. And I remember trying to find it because there was you were at the mercy of TV guides or there was another magazine. I forget what it was that we got delivered to our house at the time but there was no cable guide or any bullshit like that you had to turn your tv on go to mtv and hope that it was going to come on when you thought it was and if i'm not mistaken it was a prime time thing right mm-hmm. but i thought that it's like eight o'clock i can remember say. looking for it on a saturday morning because i thought that's when it would be premiering and i i remember being disappointed because i couldn't find it yet yeah i mean if the if if I wasn't reading comic books in the early 90s, 
I was watching videos on MTV. So they, it was the combination of it was, of the two things that I enjoyed the most. I was one hundred percent all in with Max TV show. I don't. I, I know I didn't like Aeon Flux, but I remember it being something that stirred my loins. Well, oh, she yeah. was half naked. Or she was naked all the time. Yeah, and it was. It had real big sexual overturns. Overtones. If I remember, there was a lot of there was a lot of saliva. Yeah, there was a lot of spit. Her spitting on people, or kissing people mm-hmm. very sloppily in Aeon Flux. I want to say that I own uh, the complete Aeon Flux series, series? on DVD somewhere. I, I think you let me borrow it, so I think you might have. I know I borrowed it off of someone, so... Most yeah, it might, might, it might have been me yeah, off. that was something that I just could I was, not get into. I was, I was cool that... I think it was always on. I always watched it. It was all self-contained, too, because she, it. she died almost every episode, so that I thought that was kind of different and fun. I didn't, yeah, I didn't actively follow it, but I remember if it was on, I stopped to watch it because I liked what was going on. I liked what I was seeing there. So let's swing it back to Young Master Dominic. Number two. Number I will two. keep it in the 90s. Staying in the 90s. Staying in the 90s. 90s for 900 hours. And I'm going to combine these two into one. Because ideally, they're roughly the same show in a way. But I'm going to go with Animaniacs and Tiny mm. Toons. Oh. Well, they came on in a block. Yeah. On Fox. I right after Tiny school. Tiny Toons was like a year and a half. And then like they put Animaniacs and they put those two back to back. As you're after school juggernaut that really just made you not want to do your homework. And it worked every damn time. Yeah, Animaniacs reeled me in. I think Animaniacs was high school. But it's still... It was that, it was that adolescent. Like I said, it was that early we were, 90s. We were all in middle school. Paul was, no, I, was, I, was in, I was in high school. I was a senior when Animaniacs Paul remembers driving out. the Camaro listening to Animaniacs <laughs> on the way to 10th grade for the second yeah, time. Yeah, anima- Animaniacs was... <laughs> What Animaniacs was really good for is that it was a kid's show that adults could watch just as easily they had, because it had a lot of that subtle humor that could be picked up by well, know, they also both had, like, age they had a ton of skit. They had a ton of skits too. They had that's where Pinky the Brain came from. They had the good fella, good the good oh, feathers. Good feathers. Uh, buttons and you talking to me. Buttons uh, and Mindy. Good idea, bad idea. Like those random little snippets in between. Mr. Skullhead or Mr. what? Skull, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they, they were so like so much good stuff. Even like a lot of the songs that they would sing, like they would redo like, like the capitals like, of the USA, the capitals of USA, and mm-hmm. the countries of the world. My favorite song that they to this day, me and my little sister still sing this stupid song. It was the clown that was really um, who is the he he would he'd say like hey lady oh, the, uh, Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lewis clown and he would sing when the whipper wills the whip the wind will whip her back oh nice and chubby baby <laughs> <laughs> me and my sister sing that shit to each other to this day wow yeah what what stuck with me the most from from Animaniacs was um Hello, nurse. Oh, Hello, nurse. nurse. Hello, yeah. nurse. I, I listened to the podcast of Rob Paulson. Mm-hmm. Who played... Who played... Pinky, right? He, he did Pinky. He did Yakko. Oh, yeah. 
You'll know his voice. He did the yep. original Raphael. He does he Donatello. Does current, he does current yeah. Donatello. You know his work. And constantly, he, to this day, he knows the lyrics to those songs and sings them in key, on par. He like He's one of the childhood actors that literally yeah. pieced together my entire childhood because he went from this TV show to that TV show. And I listen to his podcast well, on he a has the, basis. He has the kind of resume like that Paul Dini has that you don't realize he had his hands in so, so much of our childhood until now that we're adults, we're going back and we're looking up his resume. Like, yeah, you, 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 you know the voice. You always recognize the voice. And you're like, oh, that... Like, you'd be watching you in a maniac, and you're like... That's oh, the same guy that did. Yeah, you knew that, but then now growing up, and you're just like, wow. That guy was in my life from, like, the age of seven until now, because he's still doing things out there that <clears> yeah. you watch on a regular basis. Yeah, Animaniacs was really... I think they even released... You guys were talking about the songs again. They released a CD, I want to say that. I wouldn't my doubt fam- it. I'm not My surprised. family had that CD, I want to say that. We listened to it all the fucking time. Yeah, for as good as for as good as good Tiny Toons was, Animaniacs was the show that really left the impression on me. I still, I think I can, I still remember the Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. Themes, going back to themes that you remember. Tiny Toons started that whole... They had a couple of episodes that were all music-based. Yeah, they, they had a they couple had, of music video episodes. They animated a lot of the... Uh, they Might Be Giants. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I... That's where I was first introduced to them from. Uh, you know, I think of... You know, Istanbul is Constantinople. I think <laughs> it's still the Tiny Tunes song. Like it's the Tiny yeah, Tunes. Right. I like yeah. that's when I hear that song. Particle Man, you still Particle remember. Man is there in the boxing ring. Boxing ring the entire time. I re- oh, Particle Man was amazing. Both of those songs. This is all bouncing off of Matt, who was clearly smoking cigarettes whenever we were watching. So none of cartoons. us. None of us bothered to mention. Um, what's what's her name? Babs Bunny. Babs. Babs is okay, but she's not on the same level as Gadget. As Gadget. Mm. Or... So, Matt, I, I you never still... watched Tiny Toons or Animaniacs. I watched I watched them both. I've seen a lot more Tiny Toons. But they were but... too lowbrow for I, you. I watched a lot of Tiny Toons, but I... I wish that I had gotten more into Animaniacs because I think I like that better, but I don't have enough of a kind of a breadth of knowledge about it. To it's not too late. That. You would like it now. I've watched <laughs> stuff now. I think, it's, I it's, think both of those will hold up. Cause tech, they're still, Are they on Netflix? Uh, I, might I do be. not know. I'll check. Might be. Might be. But I know, but that's that's still from that Warner Brothers writing, that creative group that even still the old, the old, the old Looney Tunes. I can still watch those. The old Looney yeah. Tunes cracks my shit up. And it's still, you, you know it's the old art style. You know when they go into a chase, you're like, okay, there's the red door, there's the plant on the table. There's the red door, there's the plant on the table. It's that same background, but it, regardless, you just know that you watch that, and you immediately just fall into that world. The old like, Looney Tunes has that nice hint of alcoholism and <laughs> child abuse and racism. It smells... That's, that's amazing that you could never like get away with now. Yeah, when you watch the old Looney Tunes, you can smell cigarettes in the office. Oh, yeah. Oh. Cigarettes and bourbon in the workplace. Like, there's at least four unsmoked cigarettes in that ashtray that just burnt down to the filter. You can mm-hmm. just see the secretary sitting on some dude's lap as he banged out some panels. And banged something else out. Yes. Too. But, yeah... It, 
I love those are those are by far still two shows that I that I I think would still hold up because I still go back and watch the Animaniacs music videos. Matt, I I might even own the uh, Animaniacs somewhere. I think I think somewhere I have the box set, so I'll have to That'd be cool. Check it out. Yeah, I. Back, yeah, it's not on Netflix. Back then, I could have I could have lived on a steady diet of thinking in the brain. <clears throat> One was a genius. The other was insane. There you go. Bouncing right off Matt, who has no recollection of his childhood. Matt, did you have a childhood? Mm-hmm. Did Matt? you just wake up one day and you were 32? No. Matt was kidnapped and had his brain completely erased. Matt was too busy watching Big Trouble in Little China How many times and Robocop you- back, in, back to back on a loop. I did watch those. Those are good. Tom. I'm going to take it back to the 80s. Ooh. Hang on one second, Tom. Yes. Where do you stand on RoboCop? Oh, Jesus. It's, no, it, it, it's not good. I think I watched it a year or so ago. I still haven't watched it. Please. There's the door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Paul. The best ahead. that we can do now in McSauce Battle Arena is a tie. Who knows? Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I don't I think won't. you're ever going to watch it. Suspense? Partially I, because I, you don't want to. Partially because you don't you don't want to have to get involved. I don't in want to like, be it in was the final cool. like, I watched it a couple of years ago. Like it was good watching like, seeing Robocop again and like it, it brought back that, but as an actual movie it, it didn't really hold up. Anyway, Ian, <laughs> you're telling me you don't want to get involved? When have you ever passed up an opportunity to have a there are certain debate. kinds of debates that I dislike, and uh, I don't know. I'll probably watch it at some point. If it's on Netflix, I'll watch it. I do love that theme music. It's running through my head right now. Who wrote that again? Basil Razzle. <laughs> McDazzle. So, but we're going to take it back. Back to the 80s. Back to the 80s. And I know this is not an example of good animation. This is not an example of a good cartoon, but it was one of the it was one of the three tentpole brands of my childhood that I would be remiss if I did not say He Man and the Masters of the Universe tonight. Matt, do you remember He Man? Never heard of it. I didn't think so. Ian, He Man. I'm familiar with He and Man. Mm-hmm. And the universe and the masters. Unlike Animaniacs, this is not a show that you can watch today and find enjoyment out of. It he, is really fucking hard. He man, he man aged with time, not like a fine wine, but like milk. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, see, I, I don't a fine thirty-some-year-old milk. Have you ever accidentally left milk in the fridge for so long? Oh yes. That you poured it out and it was in chunks. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. And it, it makes that, or you have to cut it out of the plastic. <laughs> oh, and it makes that clomping sound. <sighs> Sour milk is my least favorite smell in the world. That is the grossest fucking shit. I have to give it up for dog shit. I think dog shit is the nastiest. No, I will take no, 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 no. at least yeah. at least dog shit is around there, 
sour milk or Ooh. any kind of milk products. There was um, – we used to go to a lot of uh, pit football tailgates. And one year we went to an early September game and there wasn't another pit tailgating opportunity till the middle of October. And we had beer cheese in the cooler, which, oh. I, which I forgot to take out. And you get up for tailgating, you want to go down early. I got up around 6.30 that morning on a Saturday Went out. I was like, oh, I forgot to clean the cooler out. There must be something in it. I'm sure it's harmless. Opened it up. <laughs> month and a half old beer cheese dip. I I threw up. It was disgusting. Ew, you threw, threw up? up? Yeah, it was in the... <laughs> oh, was, yeah. You, I, it, was, I, it was in the lawn. It was fine. Yeah, see, but I, I will take any... Dog kind of, shit won't make you do that, but like yes, moldy cheese, no, milk stuff. I will take any kind of poop will? over spoiled milk. Because at least poop is poop. Yeah, to me, it's unlucky. A big, a big dog, a huge pile of dog shit. You, you're telling me you would rather get sour milk on your shoes than step in a pile of dog shit. I'd rather smell dog shit than really sour rancid milk. I would. I would rather smell. I would rather smell dog. Mark it down. Mark it down here. Maybe you guys are fucking crazy. That's apples and oranges. It's not. It's shit and sour milk. Yeah, but that the shit. It's a physical thing. It stays with you. It's on your shoe. It's tracking where you go. We're just talking. Just smells. Well, okay, but no. If you stand, if you step in a chunky, curdly pile of of two month old milk, isn't there a sharpness to the smell? Of rancid milk, doesn't it? No, you're right. There is in your. It sticks in your in your it's nose really bad. more than like dog shit. Fucking smells bad, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stick in the same way that rancid milk. I does. agree. There there is that more precise, fine pinpoint kind of attack of of a rancid milk, but dog shit's bad. But the I'll dog give, shit, the dog shit is more like a punch in the face. <laughs> so, I mean, hey. This seems like a debate for the fans. Fans respond, dog shit or rancid milk. The dog shit is like a punch in the face, but sour milk is like slowly sawing off your arm with an electric saw. That you cut turkey with at Thanksgiving. Nice Evil Dead reference, but no. And speaking of the kind of feeling that you have when you smell dog shit... Let's talk about Masters of the Universe. Because that's what it's like when you go back and watch these episodes. Because they do not... They don't hold up in any sense of holding up. The animation isn't good. The storylines aren't good. The characters are mere shadows of what you expect them to be. Or what you want them to be. Nothing about the cartoon holds up. But as as a kid... Yeah, Greatest we're, thing ever. We're, we're not here to talk about why it stinks now. Why was it good back when we originally watched it? What attracted you to He-Man and that world, Paul? Looking looking back on the... Scantily clad leather leather short shorts. Fuck. <laughs> just, they weren't even leather. Just, just they were fur. Fucking men wearing nothing but boots, straps, maybe hoods. Wearing you know? Fur. I mean, <laughs> goddamn, what wasn't awesome about that show? <laughs> Fur underpants. Just fur? Just Love men it. and fur and tans Go and with. shit and, you know, haircuts, of the Dutch boy haircut. <laughs> the Dutch boy haircut. What? How could we resist? 
What wasn't right about that? I fucking loved it. A unifying factor of the majority of brands that I was into. Were we all gay when we were little? Kids? I, I think so. Yeah. And by little kids, I mean. Right now. Yeah, yes. The unifying factor that Masters of the Universe was, you know, certainly had was that it had nothing to do with Earth. It had a little bit to do with Earth. He-Man's mother, Marlena, was from Earth. She gets lost in space and winds up on Eternia, marries King Randor, and they have Prince Adam. It was technically half Earthling. Right. Yes. But that never gets... It, it gets mentioned so rarely, it's like it, it, it doesn't exist. But you know, He-Man had essentially nothing to do with Earth. It was this whole world, this universe, built around itself. It was this mix of medievalness... See, that's a picture of super gay He-Man. <laughs> it was this blend of, you know, medieval castles and warriors with electronics and technology. You know, they could fly and shoot lasers. And a lot of that was because the action figures came out before the show. So the writers and creators, Paul Dini being one of them, were forced to just make shit up and... You know, rationalize each thing to another as they all got dumped in this stew that was He-Man. And as you were talking about, there were the action figures that preceded the cartoon series. They came with small comic books. And Jim Shooter of Marvel Comics as well, or I don't think at that point, but also uh, Dennis O'Neill of DC were integral in writing those backstories of the... Masters of the Universe and He-Man. So that's something that I think is another thing that's, that's a foundation of maybe why we, we like that was because they had that comic book sensibility to it. I don't, yeah, I don't believe I remember anything actual cartoon-wise. It was really? all, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't remember any of the cartoon. It's just all the toys that we had. And I remember the toys and loving the show because of the toys and my best memories are playing with the toys, but I, I, I don't remember. I don't think I could tell you any of the stories about He Man at all. I remember as a it kid, it was just the fact that marketing. It was just cartoon toy. It was just commercials for the toys. Great fucking commercials, dude. Those the, kids the, were playing with the amazing. Like, they they played out how many starts of my adventures I had. Yeah. I remember those commercials. They had like that, that He-Man, He-Man. Do you remember that? Which like, had nothing to do with the show. Nothing at all. No, and it, was, it did have the kids playing. There was like, some kid playing the exact same way that I did, just smashing into something like, He-Man! Like, just doing <clears throat> stuff like that. I just remembered all of those, which is one of the reasons why I don't have like He-Man on my list, because I remember more of the toy than the show itself. But I mean, they go. They kind of do go hand in hand. They really the toy, do. the show, and the the comic books, the small comic books that came with them. Those were also a big part of something that I liked about the action figure because you could get the backstory when you bought the toy. It had his origin, whatever, whoever it was. If it's Moduloc or Trapjaw, it has their backstory right there for you to read, and then you can incorporate it into the back of all your the, adventures when he's snipping G.I. Joe's fucking heads off. The back of all the G.I. Joe's had those little 
character dossiers eh. of what they're Over what in. they all had. Uh, as long as it's Cobra, it's fine. I was I was in way into the show, way into the toys. I had uh, so many Masters toys, the play sets, the vehicles. Such a gigantic part of my childhood. And what was nice about the toys is that unlike Star Wars figures and GI Joe figures, they were durable. You could beat the shit out of a Masters of the Universe guy, and he was he was going to last. He was going to be around, which is why it's hard to find any used now. Because people still have them. People don't want to get rid of them because they're still in fairly decent shape. You may be missing, you know, He-Man's chest protector or Skeletor's, you know, chest chumpy. But but that main frame the of the, the toy yeah, the was... bulk of the figure is going to be that their arms were solid plastic. Their hands didn't even break off, whereas G.I. Joe's <clears throat> thumbs, forget it, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think any of my G.I. Joe's... No, they can all, open all... doorknobs anymore because all their thumbs are snapped off. But all my all my He Man figures are are one hundred percent as 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 a cartoon. The show left a lot to be desired. As an adult, going back and watching it now, they use a lot of the same animation. It's just repeated shots of He Man running. There will be missed color spots. On certain things. Uh, the villains are all fucking goobers. I don't understand how anyone got things done in Snake Mountain. Because there's Skeletor and then there's just a bunch of buffoons. And that's the best word to describe all the bad guys is buffoons. No one had any kind of competence. Maybe if Skeletor was a better motivator. Because all he did was tell his guys how stupid they were. Maybe if he, you know, held them up, gave them a little bit of encouragement, maybe a little bit of guidance. He was a shitty coach. That's but, what Skeletor was. But as a kid, you had action. You had, you know, the superhero archetype good guy. You had the evil villain. You had magic, technology, ships, planes. Robots, monsters. Sword fights. Just like... Jason the Wheel Wheel Warriors in a, in a in a way, but better. Hey, fuck he, you. He he man seemed to be a good amalgam of all of that shit. And yeah. grow, growing up, when I look back at, at all the cartoons I was interested in as a kid, uh, there always seems to be some focus on a sword. Star Wars had lightsabers. Thundercats had the Sword of Omens. Voltron had his own energy sword. He man had you know sword of power. That was always a central theme. I love swords. That is not a metaphor for penis. But, like, all that stuff... Yes, it is. All that stuff had, had swords in the He-Man. What was cool about the toys, the He-Man had the gray one, Skeletor had the purple one, and when, they, when you put them together, that was supposed to be the sword of power. But they never got into that in the cartoon, and it killed me, because in the cartoon, Skeletor just had the staff. That was, that was weird. And Skeletor was, his voice wasn't as scary as one would want. Yeah, me, me. Yeah, it, was, it was very high-pitched and nasally. It's really, it's, it's rough. It you, kinda, can't, you can't go back and watch it. It kind of cuts out the, the, the legs of the threat. Those, the designs, Beast Man, Merman, Trapjaw, Evil Lynn, Skeletor. They even sound like what? horrible bad guys. What great designs on those characters. Even guys like... 
Manny faces and man at arms and Mechanic Stratos, the Boba Fett of the He Man universe. Moss Man. They made well, a dude made out of moss. Moss Man was acceptable. Moss Man was just beast Her man. Stoot. Orko. Moss Man was beast Orko. man. No. Huge different designs. Moss Man was furry. Yeah, I know, but it was the same mold with they all had the same sprinkle. They all had the same torso. I think they had the same head though. Uh uh-huh. different heads. Really? I think they Mattel had spared heads. the expense and at least smaller. Yeah, because the heads were rubber. You could actually squeeze their heads yeah. to make them taller But and they yeah. they really were. That was something that was awesome was that they were such sturdy toys. The character of Fisto may have been misplaced. <laughs> But they had the... That was, that was the 80s. Ram it was Man a more, was the worst. It was a more innocent time. We're not ramming and fisting anything, people. <laughs> they had they had your token Chinese guy, Fisto, who was, karate chopped shit. Was he Fisto? Or no, he was, was uh, ninjutsu. A, yeah, ninjutsu. Because he was a ninja. Because he was of Asian descent. That's right. Just like the black character God. was an athlete. I forget what he was. He was probably fucking... You know, track and fast, field man. Fast running man. <laughs> Slam dunk guy. But guys like Trapjaw and Triclops, I mean, those were cool designs. Those were really cool figures. And Even as the toy line moved along and they went into the Snake Man stuff, they also branched out into the evil Hordak and the Evil Horde. That stuff... It, it got better. Hordak and the Evil Horde, those designs were even better. Yeah, they those improved on yeah, they Skeletor's henchmen, in my estimation. He, you know, He-Man's bulky guy. You know, he's a bodybuilder with a little... Everybody a little was fucking ripped on Eternia. <laughs> Look yeah, out, the gym was packed every day. The He-Man design, pretty standard, but the Skeletor design, one of the best designs of all time. Guy, skull as a face... Big purple hood. That will never Ripped go abs. Ripped abs. Feet. Tight, juicy butt. What? Huh? <laughs> I mean, you know, the design, the... <laughs> the... The furry... The furry underwear is an amazing yeah, design. The, you know, the, the, car, the cartoon aside for not being... Not being the greatest cartoon, just the mythology of the He-Man universe of, you know, just... Classic good guys and bad guys fighting for control of all the magic on Eternia. Is that what they were doing on that show? I couldn't. You wouldn't know to watch the show, but no, you would. You would know at least that to watch the show. So while while the show may not hold up, I think the the mythology holds up for me at least. The the current comic book is really good. They're they're delving into the mythology a little bit deeper. They've uh, grown it up a little bit. It's more for Kids our age now. There's 35 That's a tribute kids. to the source material and the things that we liked is that they can they can come along and they can go decades into the future and, and new creators can pick them up and they can have a lasting impact. Right. It's very similar heads. Ooh, Beast Man, wow. Moss Man, separated at birth. You decide. Yeah. Wow, that actually is a lot closer than I remember them being. Another thing that I liked about all those 80s cartoons were, were the fact, you touched on it, Paul, it's good versus evil, it's black and white. There was nothing really redeeming about Skeletor. He was a no, giant, he... nasally skeleton face that wanted to do bad things. That's the same with Mumra. He was an evil fucking dude who wanted to do bad things, um, as well as the the 
villains in any of the 80s cartoons. It was black and white. While nowadays I like a little bit of gradation with my villains and I, I want them to have some some cause that maybe I could even oh, get yeah, behind. Yeah, nowadays there's a reason why they're villainous. And I, I think you have to do that with more sophisticated viewing habits. But back then... I think that's part of the charm is that bad guys were bad guys, good guys were good guys. We didn't have to fuck around and look for any reasoning. I disagree. I think that it's it's perfectly fine to have clear-cut villains, and I miss that. In in comic books and movies, I feel like there's too much of the gray area of villains anymore. Um, that's why something like He-Man resonates so strongly with me, because... It, there's a clear good versus evil theme throughout. And for once, I agree with Matt. Because I appreciate good guys and bad guys. Unlike the Marvel Universe currently, which is just good guys versus good guys, good guys. arguing and fighting each other. I, I good agree guys with, and less good guys. I agree with both of you. I What's wrong with either. just wanting power and to rule? Nothing. Nothing. We have Nothing. You don't need a deeper motive. You just want to be king shit. That's all. Sometimes He-Man's going to take you down. You just want all the magic. You just want to gather it all up and have it for yourself. He-Man, making the universe safe for white folks. Actually, that brings up an interesting point. He-Man is biracial. Let's let's be honest. That's what my mom told me. (laughs) He was very tan. He was so... Like, okay. Whenever you were a kid... And you got a coloring book. Like, I can remember I got the He-Man coloring book, and I got, like, a set of Crayola markers. Whenever I had to color um, white people, I always made them orange. I know that some of my friends would make them yellow, because you either had orange or yellow. Those were the closest. But when I colored He-Man, that dude was brown. Yeah, I made that motherfucker brown because he, he was tan. Right, he but when tan. you when you colored him as Prince Adam, he was orange. At least he was orange for me because I couldn't make him yellow and give him yellow yes. hair, right? No, you couldn't do that. He needed so, the yellow hair. You needed Marlena. Is that right? Yeah, Marlena. Yeah, it was, she was tan like she was doing something else. Like she not around with King Randall. Like she had a jungle fever. <laughs> so just goes back to my eighties cartoon cuckold <laughs> She was looking for some other husband in attorney. She was like with that, that track and field man or whatever that guy was. She was like you're single, not interested. For the record, Paul, I am with you. He man is a great pick. Um it's one of my all-time favorite childhood properties. You were pretty quiet. I wasn't sure you were familiar with the He-Man. I was concept. just waiting for my chance. Ian, where are you going with um, uh, your number two choice? Well, my I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whoa, I'm sorry. It's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, you smacked me. I said I was waiting for my chance, and I was like, nope, nope. okay, go ahead, Ian. You mentioned it. What's funny is that Dom accidentally did that? But I think we would have steamrolled him on purpose at some point. Um, it's one of your favorites. What do you? Oh my you, god! I said that the black and white nature of the heroes and villains. Yeah. Are there any? I, you must like the design elements. Oh my I god! I know we're playing it up like uh, it's okay, but they're great. They're they, they're they really classic. The names uh, I think are really effective for kids. You know, they're easy to remember. Everybody's something man, pretty much, or something door. Right, and. Uh, Again, the durability of the toys, just the simplistic nature of them. It 
it was like the ideal property for a six or a seven or maybe even a, an eight year old. I think. It's How fine. about sixteen, Paul? Maybe. Still acceptable. What about so, 16? Uh, good to play with toys. Calm down. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I hold it up there, just it, like at the time, right there with Batman. It was it was Batman, Spider Man, He Man, Star Wars. That that like that was my childhood uh, entertainment umbrella. So w- one of the things that I'm thinking because I feel like there there is so much potential still in this property, even though when you go back and you look at it and it's not very good. I would like to see it revisited, and I know that they have a current comic book series, but but. I would like to see them kind of update it a little bit, and I know that they've tried that before, but I'm thinking just tweak it in a slightly more mature way. And I'm not saying make it a mature thing, necessarily, although when I think about it, maybe that would be kind of cool, but just kind of bring it into a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, somewhat age, not age-appropriate, but... Or are we going about this the wrong way? Maybe do we need to hold on to some of the things that made it good and, and kind of keep it in that realm of, you know, innocence a little bit? Um, well, maybe, but as Paul pointed out, some of the flaws in it weren't necessarily that it's kind of innocence. It was, it was more of a technical thing. You know the way that it was actually created. So if it was maybe yeah, the flaws were the production redone with some like kind of remastering or, or redoing. Maybe you it crank could out sixty five episodes a season or or however many it, you have to cut those corners. I think. Well, yeah, and back then it was it was just a kids show. But right. if you're if you're going to redo it, it has a lot of potential. A lot of potential like, to be redone properly. A good example would be you know they they revisited the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know how watchable the old show is, but the current one works on so many levels um, that that um, maybe they could do something similar with He-Man. I mean... There was a show that was in 2002 Cartoon Network, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, that I think did a lot of, a lot of good and, and honored the way that the original was as well as updating some of the production, updating some of the themes. I thought that show was pretty good. They could do it again, but that's a good example of, I think, everything you're talking about. They, they re-released, not re-released, but they released a new line of He-Man toys right around then. And the toys had a very anime feel to them, which I hated, because it's not, a, it's not a, an Eastern-style cartoon. It's a Western cartoon... I feel like it should have Western kind of a Western art style. I and, agree. And He-Man had that ridiculous Final Fantasy fucking sword. Yeah. It was so fucking big. And they kind of went back to that in the in the comic. I fucking hate it. Yeah. It it's a song. It's a sword that transforms on itself or something like that. What Which, happened to the split sword? What happened to two swords that were forged of something that could come together? Great concept, right? Yeah. Skeletor has one, the, He-Man yeah, has the, the other. The good guys have one, the bad guys have one. Each of them needs needs the other. Right. So, whenever they re-re- re 
launched He-Man with that new toy line, which I think preceded the, the show. Again, it was I like history so, yeah. repeating itself. I can remember remember the magazine Toy Fair. Mm-hmm. In Toy Fair, they had uh, like concept art for what they wanted the He-Man toys to look like, and the way that they did He-Man was so fucking cool. Like they brought him back to like his barbarian roots. So his hair, like he had two kind of like long braids going down the sides, and his hair was a bit longer, and he just looked a little bit more imposing and kind of less fruity, really, like he does in the old show. And then they showed the final design, which was the toy that had that anime look, and it, it just, it was like, where did this come from? Like, who was like, no, make this look more... But that was a time in the early 90s when the whole Japanese thing was totally the rage, I think, with a lot of younger audiences, like the Pokemon being huge. And... That was the early 2000s. Is that what I said? You said 90s. Oh, early 2000s. Yeah, I'm sorry. I went with it. Anyway. Because we're so agreeable. That's all I have to say about it. Dom wants you to go ahead and say your your second your second pick for for cartoon animation. Before you would really cut off, I would never ever do something like that to you. Dom was like, guest schmest. I'm taking control of this mess. I know we touched a little bit on Thundercats, but I'm going to take it a little more obscure, as I like to do, and I'm going to go to the close cousin of the Thundercats. Do it. The Silverhawk. Yeah! Take me there! They're partly metal, partly real! Take me there! Spin that (laughs) head off them! Spin that record, son. Silverhawks were uh, a cartoon off of the success of the Thundercats, another Rankin and Bass joint. Same art style, same, same kind of themes, really. Um, Silverhawks were a team of, uh, like, Space Police. I know that you like Space Police, Paul. Twilight Silverhawks. Space Police. A, a group of... Spa- color next to green. <laughs> Space Police. <laughs> Space Police. White. Put, put put together. Silver. Shouldn't they be blue if they're police blue? Whatever. <laughs> they're put together to fight <coughs> intergalactic space crime, which that's kind of a theme on some of the eighties. There was a lot of fucking space crime going on in the eighties. Another season, another show that went four months. What the with, fuck? With sixty-five episodes. Come on now, everybody knows Silverhawk. They cracked that fucking whip. But, but anyway, uh, Cyborg and Bionic, I know that we had a little bit of a tiff about whether some of these heroes were cyborgs or, or they were just purely Bionic. Tiff. Yes. Is that a word? Me tiff? Tiff, yeah. <clears throat> you know, same thing, right? We had a little bit of discussion. Matt and I are going to talk about this at the office Wednesday. As at... <laughs> On Rumor Tuesday. <laughs> Rumor Wednesday. Is tomorrow Tuesday or Wednesday? Well, the time we get it edited, and we'll call it on Rumor the office Wednesday. tomorrow. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Rumor he has Wednesday. two days off a week. Well, four days. Week. Anyway, Silverhawks, Space Crime, fought some badass villains. Monstar, Monstar. was... Uh, Sort of like, well, the more I looked at it, Monstar, Monstar was, was exactly Monstar. 
I yeah. mean, they were the exact same character. Mm-hmm. Even the fact that they're transformation. Another thing about eighties cartoons: a lot of transformation happened well, I, in eighties cartoons. I was thinking. Of, I was thinking about Thundercats and, and Silverhawks today, and I was. I was like, well, Silverhawks were just Thundercats in space, even though Thundercats were already in space. Yeah, what are but these villain names here. But they molecular, creepy as shit. Molecular, creepy. He was villain. a. He was well, really... there is Monstar. There's Yes Man. Yes, Hard, no. Hardware, Windhammer, Molecular, Mumbo Jumbo, Poker Face, Time Stopper, Buzz. Look Z- up Mumbo Zero, the Mumbo, Memory Thief. Mumbo Jumbo was a really great. Yeah, he was look a, up a picture of Mumbo Jumbo. He, he was, was a, a minotaur. robotic minotaur. Yeah, he was. He was really great. A lot of robot. A lot of cyborg stuff happening in the old Silverhawks. I don't remember what, like, I, I know that they were, the Monstar and his crew were doing bad things, but I don't know if there was, like, a main thing. It wasn't like they were trying to take over the galaxy per se. I think they were just trying to, like, get some casinos running they or were something like, like that. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were the Flash's rogues gallery. They weren't trying to take over the planet. They were just trying to steal some shit. Have a have a ca- casual life on the side, but yeah, there were there was a there was a space casino, and uh, and Silverhawks run by that guy with the glasses. Fuck is his name? Probably some space Armenian. Oh, <laughs> dropping the race! <laughs> Look out! There was a villain named Poker Face. Yeah, there space was a villain named- Indian. Oh. Is that his name? Oh, yeah, Poker Face, because the the suits of the cards would flip up in his eyes. Another case of really good character design, the Silverhawks pretty much were just metal-plated humans, but all the villains had some pretty striking design to them. They they, they looked really great. Monstar had two forms. He had a... He had a metal-plated form as well as the monster form as he sat on his planet and, um, you know, did all his plotting. Really, really awesome design work. The on, Buzzsaw on toy made it into any... Anytime I was playing with toys, Buzzsaw was involved because that was, besides his bright green color, which wasn't a whole lot different than Constructicon green. Like, he was just a cool figure, and that's one with uh, built-in action. You'd move his head up and down. And the saws on his his shoulders would spin. The Silverhawks figures, they all came with little little hawks. Little hawks. Little little hawks. And they also had, like, the wing opening function as well. Um, Really cool toys. Really cool. um, Really cool theme, I thought. Uh, Again, awesome theme music for that show. Uh, Like I was joking before, partly metal, partly real. That's a great opening montage is soaring through the highway like it was part of the theme music. And that's another that's another cartoon that took that took place in deep space had ten was tangentially connected to Earth. Because they were from Earth, but it was in such a far future and they were so far out in space, you never saw Earth. Essentially you were looking at these humanoid characters. They could be from Tatooine. I think that they um they did some training sessions here and there where they were on Earth and they talked about being on Earth. I, I know that the first episode, Bluegrass and the Copper Kid were doing some training sessions on Earth in a simulator. But I think that's the only time that they were really on Earth. You mentioned Tatooine. 
I gotta say that the Star Wars effect really had an impact on all this stuff that that we really liked as kids. I, I can't imagine that any of the these cartoons would take place in space or have these kind of things. You couldn't bring these these things to Saturday morning cartoons without having a major force like Star Wars influence an, an entire generation of kids that would be okay with seeing aliens and space crafts and, and think that that's something that they would really want to see. Nothing like that took place in the 70s. This guy's a human, but he's on some other odd planet. You're like, Tatooine, okay. Hey, as long as we make him human, make you guys relatable, we'll put him out in this far other world, and it's some utopian future, it's some dystopian uh, dystopian world. So there's, there's, whatever you want to put them in, as long as they are, as long as you have like some main characters who are human, you automatically have that sort of relation. There. there was so much space stuff with Voltron and He-Man and Transformers and, and as we're talking about right now, Silverhawks, Bravestar, everything took place in, in outer space and there was none of that stuff in the 70s. <laughs> so, Silverhawks, unlike most of the other cartoons we've mentioned, had a black character <laughs> and his name's Hotwing. <laughs> Come on, come on, Silverhawk! God damn it! What was his fucking power? They have like a bucket of wings. God damn it! How how dare they? Yeah, that's terrible. And what? uh, Up until right now, I've never made that connection before. That the black guy was named Hot Wings. It's. The 80s were a horrible time for racial relations. Because you could like still get away 50s. with these. You could still get away with that shit back then. Uh, as, long as, as long as it was like a code name, it was alright. He was even segregated. He only had one episode, and it was all by, he was all by himself on a secret mission. And he couldn't mix in with even that fucking mime the Copper Kid got to go along on adventures, but not Hot Wing. In the space, in the space ghetto. <laughs> He's a magician and skilled illusionist. Illusionist. He receives powers from a mystical energy force that chose him to bear the powers to eat chicken. <laughs> Call of greens. No, that's not true. I made up that last That's part. terrible. But you can go on Wikipedia and edit it in mm-hmm. that fashion. He has to that's recharge awful. these powers every 14 years or he dies. Wow. So he has like a shorter lifespan than the white silver hawks? <laughs> what the hell? But anyway, Silverhawks, the rainbow in the sky, that's my pick. I love that show. Matt, any recollection of Silverhawks? Not really. No. No recollection of Silverhawks. I have the Silverhawks hanging up in my cubicle. All of them, or just... Just the Silverhawks, not the second wave that included Hot Wing. Now I want... I'm gonna... (laughs) I'm going to draw a hot wing and hang him up in my own cubicle. And people are going to be like, what kind of nerdy shit is that? Like, hot wing, the proudest silver hawk. (laughs) Fuck them, man. That's horrible. Uh, Oh, God, that's so great. (laughs) I'm so bummed out now. I want to take them off my list. I know. Well, let's keep going let's, around. Let's, let's forget about Silverhawks. Let's keep going we? around the table. Matt, give us a number two animated uh, show. 
All right, I'm bringing it, bringing it back to the present day. Touched on it a little bit ago. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, fantastic, fantastic show. It's so well done. The production of it, uh, the voices, the animation itself. Even though it looked kind of rudimentary, it's 3D animation. It looked kind of. Mm, I wasn't real sure at first, but once I saw it in motion, and <clears throat> I was kind of complaining about how I don't like kind of anime style a lot of the times, but they actually blend the 3D with some anime sensibilities here and there. Um, but it it takes the show that we loved when we were kids and it and it completely um, re-energizes it for a modern audience. It it changed a few things like it. The big thing is they made April O'Neil a, a teenager just like the Turtles. So she's now kind of their contemporary. Um, they took Splinter and they made him actually this much larger imposing character. And that works. I, I feel like all the subtle changes that they made, or maybe they're not subtle, I don't know, for purists. But I feel like all the changes they've made are for the better. Um I, I can't say enough about it. The character designs are probably... I say this with a little hesitation because I think the TMNT movie that came out in whatever it was, 07 or 06 or 05, I don't know. I feel like that movie had incredibly well-done character designs, but I don't think that this show can be topped. I mean, maybe it can be, but so far, this is the pinnacle for any representation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Comic mad. book, <clears throat> live action, animated feature, whatever. This is, a, it's nearly flawless. When this show came out, you mentioned that, I think it was 07, live action, TMNT feature film. It wasn't live action, it was, or, it was um, animated. Uh, CG, I'm sorry, CG. When this version of the Ninja Turtles came out... I know me and Dom watched the first couple episodes of this show back to back with that film. Yeah. And this this is better. It really is. This and is I, a lot better. I, I had high um I, I remember thinking very highly of that film, thinking mm-hmm. it was a really cool take, and it still is a cool take. This is much better. Even with the real stylized version of the characters that maybe some people, you know, didn't like. Um even with a little bit of a childish take on it, it's it's still still mature enough. Still treats it the source material fair. But it has it has that Adventure Time Animaniacs quality where kids are going to get what they get out of it, and adults are going to get even more out of it because there's a lot of underlying themes that adults are going to pick on. A lot of jokes that adults are going to get that they're just going to go over kids' heads. It's a really smart. For the first time, really, ever, in in any rendition of the Turtles, they are clearly um, distinct in the way that they look, even without the color of their masks. Yeah. You could make the masks all red, and you would still easily be able to tell who's who. Who is who. They they, they tie their masks all differently. They all have physical differences to them. They did some of that in the 90s live-action movie like they were no they, they were each different colors and they, they were they were all different but it was it was a lot more subtle like these turtles you can there's no doubt you can tell I which one's which love the way that they designed donatello in particular. Oh, i love it too 
he's taller, he's lankier, he's got the little gap in his teeth. It's such a great, subtle um, imperfection. Yeah. I love it. Michelangelo's the smallest one. He has the freckles. Raphael's big and bulky. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really well done. One of, my, <clears throat> one of my favorite things about it is, and it, it's, it's such a small thing in, in the animation, but when... When you focus on, on a turtle, and even, even when you're not focused on a face, the way the eyes shift just subtly back and forth, like they're they're looking at things, they're focusing. Yeah. It's such a small animation detail, and you don't even pick up on it right away, but it just makes, it makes the show that much more real. Yeah, that's something that can't really be achieved in traditional 2D animation. I like the minor detail whenever they go into action. They just get, like, the white eyes. They don't have their pupils anymore. I actually didn't like that at first. It it, it grew on me. Yeah. It, 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 I, it really... At first, I was like, oh, my God, they're adding, they're adding, like, an anime aspect to it. And I didn't like it. But then I kind of watched I was like, okay, they're not going overboard with right. it. It's right. the start of the fight scene. Like, as soon as they get hit, like, you see, like, their eyes go white. And you see, like, the little, like, like exclamation points of the birds that they yep. get hit. Yep. And then immediately it's back to... Right. So I, I, I dug the I dug the uh, the change. It's it's a funny show too. I mean the characters are funny. Michelangelo cracks me up. Yeah. I don't like how they're making Michelangelo an idiot. I like I like is it Michelangelo hey, hey, hey. always been an idiot? I know he's I've heard always, this yeah, he's a always, few he's times from him. But the yeah. fact that they're like, Where's Mikey? They're like, We left him alone and they're freaking out. I don't think it's that bad. It, at the time, it can be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I always took it that that's kind of what Michelangelo was. He he was he was a doofus. He was he was the dude. And he was the one always wanting to have fun, but I don't know if he was ever really an idiot. And that's kind of really what they're playing it out to be, where he's not even allowed to do anything unsupervised. I'm okay. He with does. It. I was never a big Michelangelo fan. Neither no, was I. So I'm, I'm okay with it. As here's well, a question: but... Are these are they basically twins or quadruplets, or is there an actual age difference? They're turtles. I think it's flexible. I think they're all the same age. They're just different levels of maturity. Yeah, it yeah, seems like they're different ages, don't like they? Like the four of us tonight. Oh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, so who's dumb? Even though we're actually all different ages, right? And completely. Which not. turtle is dumb? Oh, Michelangelo. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm the fourth man, I'm the odd guy out. So. Yeah, there there are a few things wrong about this show. They've updated a lot of origins, and they make they make Splinter really formidable. He's he's taller than than, than the turtles. He's constantly kicking their ass in practice. At the end of the season, end of season one, big showdown with him between him and Shredder. Shredder is a big, muscle-bound guy. No spoilers. And they're both like they're both the same height. They both have oh, you know, they both have the same skill, and they can really go at each other. Um, you know the the way they introduce the backstory between Shredder and Splinter, and all the stuff going back to. Japan and with Splinter's wife, there's a lot of deep themes in there that carry through they, all the you know kid stuff that they throw in there. They changed it though, where they retained 
the the um, storyline from the original TV series, the original cartoon show that was on the early '90s, where they had Splinter used to be a, a human, and in the original comic book he was the rat, the way that they represented it in the live action movie, and. I prefer him to actually be the rat, the original version. I'm not sure that I understand. It's it's not explained in any way in the cartoon show. It happened in the original um, first episode where they go and tell the origin story. And whenever they do those flashback sequences, they're always done in a very stylized way, which is really effective. But they have him walk through the ooze, and he turns into a rat. It made no sense, because the turtles walked through it, and they just became big turtles. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't remember them saying why he turns. They don't say why he it, turns into a rat it, in this one. It makes absolute no. I'm <clears> saying <throat> that in in the current show, they never explain it. He just becomes a rat. What I what I also like, and I, I touched on this last week a little bit, is that the creators are clearly people our age because they throw in a lot of little shit, a lot of little quirks. Um, like, Leonardo is a big fan of an old Hanna-Barbera-style animated show. There's also little touches, like um, Donatello creates this device to that will locate missing ooze canisters around the city, and the body of the device is an old Game Boy. And that's something that guys our age are going to watch that show and be like, oh, shit, he's using a Game Boy. But those hipster dipshits that watch it. That weren't but those, around. But those kids born in the late nineties to now, they're not gonna they're gonna have no idea what that is. Do you think that there's gonna be a resurgence of stuff like like Pokemon is gonna get a second life or Power Pokemon Rangers is still is, going strong. I know, but do you think that there's gonna be like the older Pokemon fans that are now in their early twenties, there's gonna be like some where it came back where G.I. Joe, Transformers, Thundercats had this major push when we were in our early 20s. Is that going to happen with Power Rangers, Pokemon? I I don't even know what else. I think with that stuff, it will. I think think even at the Comic-Cons this past year, we saw certain Power Rangers love. There were a ton of Power Rangers cosplayers. Or even just Power Ranger t-shirts. Like, they make the Power Ranger t-shirts. It's it's probably going to be a while before Pokemon has a comeback because it's still... It's still going strong, but stuff, stuff like Power Rangers, yeah, I think we're we're looking at you know the time either now or not in the distant future where people start rebooting Power Rangers for that older audience, just like they've done with um, you know the Thundercats cartoon and you know He-Man. But speaking of Pokemon, do you remember the do you remember the first time you saw Pokemon? Yeah. I believe it was 98, working at Toys R Us, I was revolted. I loved that show. What? Because Yeah, because that, that's all I knew. It was Yikes. It was on at like 6.30 in the morning before school. So School as in college. Yes. I would get up, I would watch, I would eat breakfast, I would watch Pokemon. I had no idea what the fuck it was. Wow. But it was funny. And I would, I would watch Not it. only was it like a kid's show, anime. I know. This I'd goes go to, against everything. I'd that... go to school and I'd be like, oh yeah. But calling it school was fucking 
It was school, high school, it was school asshole. School. But you're making it sound like we were going to kindergarten. No, this was. I would go. I would watch Pokemon. I would go to college. No wonder I hated you. And I'd and I'd be like, "There's this crazy show on. It's called Pokemon. It's this anime stuff. It's really weird." And no one knew what the fuck I was talking about. And I was I was chided for this knowledge. And then all of a sudden, like a year later, Pokemon just exploded. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is the shit I've been watching for a fucking year now. And then I was out. And then once I found out it was the game and you had to buy stuff and you had to go all, all, do all this different stuff. You gotta catch them all. Yeah, when it was just, when it was just a fun, weird show, I was all in. But then when it blew up into this multimedia empire that it is, that I lost interest. That's weird. Yeah, I... I... I only know it from being the massive hit that it was. Much like Harry Potter. I only knew it from when the third book came out. Uh, and I had to be Harry at work Potter. and manning the CIC where, where children were coming up looking for the book. So, so let's, let's bring it around for our number ones. Special guest Dominic Yossi. Give us a number one animated show. Uh, see, I, I started off strong with my number one. Oh, all right. Give us your number yeah, three. So I'm, I'm going to go... Um, you can, you can so, finish strong, too. I could still finish strong with third. Um, I think I might go out on this one, and I think I might actually go with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh. Hmm. My name is... Slim Shady. No. Is that not Shake, right? Shake Zula. Shake Zula, the Mike Rula. The old school you want to shake? I'll bring it to you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand what the hell it was when it first came out. I was like, it's a cartoon with a talking box of French fries, a ball of meat, and a milkshake. It, I, I protested it for a while, and then I caught an episode and just absolutely fell in love with it and was engulfed with everything Aqua Teen. For a while, it's it's still it's it was something I don't know if it was it was the Adult Swim I think it was like it was the fifteen minute run times that the fact it was just like okay it's just you can do everything you needed in one one commercial break you have the credits you have a commercial and then there's like a twelve minute it was like one of the first couple that uh, Adult Swim Cartoon Network started rolling those out, these 15-minute cartoons. We don't have enough information. I don't know if it was something they did where they didn't want to do half-hour blocks, but something about Aqua Teen, I just really, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very just off the wall. It was very raunchy. It was funny. Real simplistic animation. It really was, yeah. Just very box boxy, just kind of like, I don't know, like, not as simple as South Park, in the way of like you can just just make just his mouth move because you didn't have to move anything else on him you could just shift his body left and right for movement and then just change his mouthpiece and there's your words what was strong about aqua teen was the voice acting that's what yeah. gave it all the humor uh the, the whoever it was that played uh um shake amazing voice actor it, it brought a lot of humor yeah, he, to, he to that character also He's not one of the voice actors you recognize, but he was on another one of my favorite shows called Code Monkeys. Oh, I know Code Monkeys. I love Code Monkeys. An 8-bit television show 
I like Code Monkey because I think at some point you bought me the first season of Code Monkey. I bought it on Amazon and they shipped me two copies of it. (laughs) So I was like, enjoy it. And I don't know if you actually did or not, but you have it. Code Monkey's great theme song as well. Code Monkey's had a great theme song. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, I'm going with Aqua Teen and just that era of... Uh, Adult Swim Cartoon Network. The er, like it was it was the early couple years of Adult Swim before they had I believe it might before they had like the Family Guy contract. They were just trying. They did C Lab, which the, and then it was just an old show that they just home movies. Over. Do you remember I home loved movies? Home movies. Home movies was fantastic with the sketchy Doctor Katz animation. Oh, Doctor Katz, another Dr. really Katz good was one. Another really just rolled them out here. I, I, I told you, I'm a list. Um, that old, the old, uh, the adults when they had, um, Venture Brothers is still going strong. I'm not a big Venture Brothers guy. I I never really get into My boss at work got me into Venture Brothers. He gave me his iPad one night and said, here's all five seasons on it. Go. He was like, just watch it. So he's, I've been watching those, but I'm, I'm digging Venture Brothers. I'd like, I just like that whole 15 minute runtime. Like, you don't really have to be committed. You can plow through a season in an hour and 20 minutes. Do you like Metalocalypse? Metalocalypse was a... I I did like Metalocalypse, but I'm not a huge metal fan. Mm -hmm. And I know that all of their stuff, I wound up going to concert bass and stuff like that. I did like Metalocalypse, but I was never really a giant fan of it. If it was on, I'd stop and watch it. I enjoyed a couple of the characters, mm-hmm. but to be, I don't, I don't own it. I don't own any of the DVDs. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have not legally or illegally downloaded them. So it's, it, I enjoyed them, but probably not to the extent that I would like Aqua Team. I would like to like get that. that series. Being a, a metal guy, have you seen it? Yeah, Metalocalypse. The lead singer is the guy from Cannibal Corpse. Oh, really? On that show, oh, I know it? because a lot of. My friends from a former workplace loved Metalocalypse. Loved the actual albums that they produced. I guess they were good. Death Death Metal. I mean, I I don't know, but they played them seriously at work. um, They are awesome. As something that was good. So I I, I can't really say if it was good or bad, but guys that were into that scene really dug it. I I guess you would. Yeah, as as our resident metalhead, I guess you could. Also, a great Ninja Turtle character, Metalhead. Uh, Brendan Small, he's the creator of it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. The, he, he does did, the music. Yeah, he did the music on it. He did, I think, based he, on it. He's not the singer from Cannibal Corpse, though, right? That's from, a different dude, from, right? From what I know, that's no, who, Brent, that's no, who the lead Small singer of that band is. No. So he just wrote the music and plays the guitars and everything. Yeah, he, he, he inspired. He was the creator of Metalocalypse, but I don't think he was. I don't believe he was the lead singer at all. I think he, was I keep, when, when they went name? on tour... What's the singer's name? Toki Wartooth? Possibly. <laughs> well, uh, no, Nathan Explosion was the lead singer, which was Brandon Small. Brandon Small. So I'm wrong? I'm wrong? There's apparently a Senator Stampingston, voiced by Mark Hamill. Wow, and in 56 episodes, that's just about every one of them. On a, on a side note, Brendan Small has a side project, a, a different metal album called uh, Galactitron, which in and of itself, I love the name. 
And it, it actually has a very 70s kind of vibe to the artwork on the cover. Love it. It reminds me of like an old Atari game or something. You are Mr. Retro. Except with these cartoons, though. I feel like you're out. I guess. But uh, the, the album's pretty cool. It's, it's like a concept album, and it's kind of about like a superhero type of like interstellar space traveler who's out to save his girlfriend who's basically Lois Lane but in this storyline like they went through a very messy public divorce and um it's actually pretty awesome but it takes itself seriously at the same time it's kind of interesting um and it's not death metal-y it's it's much more just metal okay that could be I'd listen to that Paul would you listen to that Probably not. <clears throat> but Adult Swim. Yeah, a lot of the early Adult Swim stuff I I used to like. It's It was different time for me back then. It's <laughs> awfully cryptic. <laughs> Did I, you kill somebody or <laughs> blow somebody? No, no. I was just living up in Erie, and it was just like a Sunday night tradition. We went out. Like we would go over to one of our co-workers and just hang out. <laughs> I know. I, 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 it would, we would hang out all night for this 15-minute show. And it was, it, was, it was a really early, mid-20s eerie, eerie craziness. I could never do the adult swim. I've seen Metalocalypse. I've seen Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I've seen Venture Brothers. I think if I watch Venture Brothers now, I would really like it. But back then, I thought it was dumb. I still don't like Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The only redeemable character was the guy that is the fries. Frylock. Yeah, uh, Metalocalypse did nothing for me. I, none, none of those shows grabbed me in, in any way. <clears throat> so... No, um, Robot Chicken? Uh, I guess, yeah, I liked Robot Chicken, but never enough, never enough that I went out, that I made sure I sat down and watched it, or I went out and bought DVDs, or looked it up on Netflix. If it was or on, I, it was always there. I liked Robot Chicken a whole lot, I bought DVDs, but they were, they all paled in comparison to Twisted Toy Fair Theater, yeah. oh, which yes. was the the original. Yes, that version. was the start of it. And I think that was the problem I had with Robot Chicken was that I knew where it came from, and it felt like a slight on the origin <laughs> material. And I know that's so fucking stupid because you know both concepts are just just dumb. But yeah, something about Robot Chicken, like I, I knew it came from Twisted Toy Fair Theater. And I, I couldn't accept it for this new animated version. It wasn't quite as good. You couldn't tell as good in expansive stories as you could, you know, on the on live action with the stop motion and everything like that. Live action with stop motion. You couldn't tell those stories as well as you could in panels and in, you know, five to six pages like they did in the Triple T. Right. Those stories were amazing. I still, I still to this day, love some of the things that they did. They they couldn't use DC characters. 
That's right. So they would put Batman in like Pumpkin Man outfits. It was it was Pumpkin Man and Squash. <laughs> because they couldn't they weren't, DC wouldn't let them use Batman and Robin. Pumpkin Man and Squash. I don't think I've seen any of the DC or the non DC characters. What one of the best ones was a flashback to the 70s. Kang oh, went God. back to the 70s to a dance competition. <laughs> and Professor X was this amazing dancer with this huge, beautiful Afro head of hair. And at the end of the strip, he wakes up and he's bald and crippled. <laughs> And, and, but be- before he wakes up, the last frame of him back in the seventies with his big afro, he has he just won the dance competition. Professor SX has the big trophy, and he says, "At least I still have my two favorite things: I got my hair and I can dance." And then he wakes up in the he wakes up in the present, bald, crippled, and he pulls a gun out of his nightstand and he kills himself. And that's, that was the the excellence, the essence of the Triple T. So, uh, f- for those of you out there that want something hilarious to read, Toy Fair Presents, Twisted Toy Fair Theater, there are like ten volumes of this shit. Trust me, go out there, find Twisted Toy Fair Theater... And read it. You will love it. You, I won't have, be, you won't be mad at me. You'll I have the me. first six, and I, I will agree. Those are fantastic. The Triple T is, is amazing. Yeah, I always forget how funny they are until I go back and, 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 re- and reread them. And that's some really good stuff. I like the... The Robot Chicken Star Wars are all, are all very good. Those are good. I like those. Are, those, are very, those are done very well. I agree with you, Dom. I hope those were hilarious. That was my first um, exposure to Robot Chicken. Oh, was it? Yeah, in general, I can't really get into it, but it's those Star Wars episodes that, to me, I I could rewatch them again and again. I I think when I I got, I think I bought something, or no, uh, whatever their episode two one was, Mm -hmm. their Return of the Jedi was, I watched that one. Probably back like three times in a row, just because it was absolutely hilarious. You're gonna have I, to I stop reading triple, <laughs> triple T, Paul. Um, during a I, podcast, I, uh, I really think that the Star Wars robot chicken is a lot better than the um, the Family Guy Star Wars parody. Right? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Yeah, the the Family Guy ones were good. Because they pretty much just told the entire story yeah. front to back in the way only Family Guy can uh-huh. with your outtakes and your cuts and everything. But the Robot Chicken, it was just Star Wars based. Okay, we're in the Cantina, we're in the Rancor Pit, we're in the Death Star. It, it, it didn't follow any actual plot line. Right. It was just 30 <clears throat> seconds to like a minute and a half of just random Star Wars themed skit. Right. And it was, it was, it was amazing. Agreed. Paul, how you feeling there, buddy? I feel really good. Good. I'm pretty sure I want to go back and read all my Twisted Toy Fair theaters. You now. still have your Toy Fair magazines? I, I have some of them. I actually do. Yeah. I saved them. I didn't save any. 
I have a couple of them, but I have these collected volumes. I have the collected. Twisted Toy Fair Theater. So. Oh, it came out as a collection. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. They released it in, like, little teeny thin graphic novels. Box. Yeah. I think and I have the first six volumes. I wonder if they're on Comixology. Ooh, I oh. don't know about that. You could check it out. I don't know where, but that, would, I don't know where that would fall in. They're some of the funniest stuff that I've ever read. I don't know if it's just because it plays right to my comic book pop culture sensibilities, but Twisted Toy Fair Theater, it's it's Yeah, just just looking looking great. up some of that old stuff just now. I mean it has me crying. So we're gonna shift from Dom. We're gonna go to my number one. Very near and dear to my heart. One of the three tent poles that held aloft my childhood, along with Star Wars and He-Man, Transformers. Robots in disguise. More than meets the eye. Now, Transformers strayed a little bit from the tropes that I was used to in my childhood toys. Transformers didn't have the sword as as a focal tool. It was also based on Earth. And I wasn't a big fan of Earth as a kid. Even now, like being such a Green Lantern fan, you know, it's okay if we're not on Earth. I'm, I'm, I'm alright with that. Street level, schmeet level. Street level, schmeet level. Though, I would like to see Hal come back and deal with some Earth shit. Because he's been gone for so fucking long in the books. Time to bring him back home. But what I really liked about Transformers, the cartoon, was that it wasn't about Spike. It wasn't about Spike and Sam Witwicky. It wasn't about Chip in the wheelchair. It was about the robots. And yeah, Spike and Sam were or Spike and Sam, Spike and Sparkplug were the um. They were the connection to the viewer. They were our a way, little bit. Yeah, they were our way in to understand that world. They were the exposition characters. Like, do That's we what I was need, like do we need that portal into the world? Like, I think I would have been cool just watching, knowing... Kids do. Do they? Because kids Did I? Kids. Because Nightwing was too old for the animated series, so they brought in Tim Drake. Which was a nice addition. But here, I'm, I'm talking to you as a, you know, as the kid that you were. Did you need Spike or Sparkplug or Chip? Because they bored the shit out of no, me no. whenever they were on screen, <clears throat> and Not I was just like... Please, can we get back to Optimus Prime and Jazz? No, yeah. Can we do that? Exactly. No, no I, I didn't need them. At, I didn't need them at all. But from a storytelling standpoint, you need those characters for the robots to say why they're there, what they're doing, what's going on. But the cartoon did it in a way that, yeah, those were the entrance characters for the show. But it was still about the robots. It was still about. The Transformers being stuck on a strange planet, not knowing how to get home, trying to figure it out. At the same time, you need to stop the bad guys from ruining the planet that you're on. What was he doing? Just trying to get home. World fucking domination. Suck the planet drive, Energon, and go back to Cybertron. Yeah, it wasn't even world domination. Unlike He-Man, which was straight up world domination. Transformers was a little bit deeper because Megatron and the Decepticons, they just wanted to go home too. But, but they wanted to dominate that world. That's why they left that they world wanna, because they were fighting a no, war over it. Yeah, well, yeah, they wanted to dominate Cybertron, but they didn't want to dominate Earth. They, Earth was a resource. Earth was a planet full of Energon. 
that that's it. They were just going to bleed it dry because we need to get home. That's it. We just want to go home and do our shit back home. So, like, the Decepticons weren't... I mean, they were in the wrong about how they did it. They were bad guys, dude. Yeah, they were bad guys, but it wasn't just straight up bad guy like... Skeletor was a bad guy. Hmm. We have to disagree. They weren't the gray area that Magneto is gray area villain, but they had a little more that going number on. Two. Yeah, they had a little more going on than just mm, I want power. I want to rule the world. I think Megatron said exactly that at some point. Power to go home and then rule Cybertron. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's pretty black and white, dude. But not... You're, you're, you're... I don't know. But not Earth. He didn't... No, he not Earth. About Earth. That's what I'm saying. Sure, sure. But they were fucking bad guys. Yeah, but the They didn't give a shit about anything. No, they didn't. And they were the villains. They were the bad guys. But they didn't... They weren't trying to rule Earth. It wasn't just like, all right, we got a new planet. We'll just rule here. It was like, this fucking meatball, we gotta get out of here. This place sucks. We're just gonna bleed it dry and get out. But the characters each had... Each character had... A lot of depth. You knew what each character was about, from Megatron through the Decepticon order, from Optimus Prime, down through the Autobots. <clears throat> each character had... They all had limited screen time. Like, m- maybe Because an ensemble cast, you have to do that. You have to only give... You only have so many minutes. Yes, and it was. And you hour. had Prime and Bumblebee. You had yep. Megatron and Starscream. Soundwave. You know, Cliffjumper made a lot of appearances, but you also... You had... Mirage episode, Prowl episodes, Hound, Hound episodes. Hound and Cliffjumper played a real good dynamic with yeah. Cliffjumper being such a hothead, uh, and and uh, Hound was just like sort of a, a laid back kind of peaceful dude that really kind of <clears throat> dug Earth and and wanted to hang out and be around. And you had a lot of Brawn and Huffer. You had a lot of really subtle play between Skywarp and Thundercracker because they were. In a sense, you got the, the idea that they were just kind of along for the ride. They're like, "All right, we signed up with the Decepticons. Let's just do do the shit." They were in this group <clears throat> with another egomaniac, being Starscream, who was kind of like the leader of their battalion and wanted to wanted to take over everything. But those dudes just kind of work there. They were just kind of sort of there and would make some cracks here and there, but they weren't out. They, they, they weren't reaching for the stars. They were just kind of hanging out and kind of going with the flow, doing their job. And in the limited time in the, that they had FaceTime and dialogue in the show, you really got a sense of who they were. And unlike He-Man, that's a giant turd when you watch it now, you can go back and watch the first season of Transformers, which is probably like a thousand episodes long because they cracked the whip back in the 80s. You can watch that first season. No. And it's entirely watchable. The first you know two. The no, first, it's not watchable or no, first, it's not a thousand the, episodes the long. First, no, it's not a thousand episodes long. The first two seasons because they kind of connect. That's yeah. what was cool about the Transformers was season one, season two were mm. one big long story that connected and introduced new characters, new dynamics, but they were the same story, and that's what was cool about the first two seasons. And it jumped the shark a little bit by the time um, by the time you get to where they introduce the the brown plane. He was the same size as Huffer and Cliff Jumper. And they go to some alien world and they wind up being toys for some alien girl who's gigantic. Holy hell, I remember they that. They got into some what wacky was, What was that? Yeah, that, like that. that like maroon plane 
guy. I remember yeah. that because it also was an episode. It was all those smaller guys like Sea Spray, the right. the, the, uh, the spaceship Beachcomber mm-hmm. um, was a little Jeep. Yeah, and this uh, is in Cosmo was Cosmos. The, Cosmos he was, was a little the, uh, UFO. What was the little airplane guy's name though? I had that fucker. But yeah, um, we can name any other Transformer except the one we want. But yeah, yeah. They, they they did go into some alien world. Starscream was there for that. Um, but even it still was okay at that point. But where it really jumped the shark was the fucking movie when they murdered in the first oh, yeah. fifteen <clears throat> minutes, killed. All of the heroes that we knew and loved. Yeah, but, even, but back in that first first season of the show, you know, like everyone just wants to get home. The Autobots wake up from a million years of stasis, and you know, Optimus Prime's like, "Well, Decepticons are here. We need to we need to stop them. They're going to destroy this world. We need to stop them." But then you even have Autobots, the good guys, like Mirage, saying, "Can't we just go home? Like, can can we just get out of here?" So, like... And on the bad guy's end, you had Shockwave, who was running shit up in Cybertron. Everything was fine. And then Megatron wakes up and he's like, uh... Should I... Should I really help him out and let this shit happen? I don't know. He seems pretty crazy. Things have been going good. You have both ends, and even with Starscream. Starscream isn't a loyal follower. He's not falling in line with Everything that Megatron's saying, he's constantly trying to take that power. And Megatron knows that. So that's a good, it's a good back and forth there. Yeah, going back and watching it as an adult, you, you pick up on, on, on that little stuff. And it's a, it's a well, well-written show. The animation still holds up. It's not the best. You know, there's still a lot of colors that are misplaced. It's way better than Masters little, of the Universe, though. Yeah, He-Man, yeah. He-Man's really yeah. tough. Yeah. Transformers holds up. I like it. But that was... I had more Star Wars, He-Man, and Transformers figures than anything else. Like, those were... That was my father, son, and holy ghost of childhood. was Star Wars, Transformers, and He-Man. And, yeah, the movie... The movie took everything that I set my belief system on and took a giant dog turd on it that would make Matt vomit. But it does have the Stan Bush song, The Touch, so that made it worth it. No, Dominic. Man. I think so. It's a great song. As a kid, there might not have been a more emotional moment than whenever Optimus Prime gets out of there and he's like, no matter the cost, and fucking rolls out and starts blasting the shit out of Decepticons, has the life and death battle with Megatron, fucking... Hot Rod gets in the way. Never did I want Optimus Prime to blow a hole right through that dude's fucking chest. I don't know how many times I've watched, even in my adult life, after Optimus Prime kind of gets shot through the chest a couple of times, and he's down, he's fucking beaten. Megatron walks up, and he's like, it's over, Prime. And he fucking smashes him over the little embankment thing. Fucking... Chokes me up every time. Yeah, that the the movie's brutal, brutal. That's, mainly because Hasbro wanted to sell more toys, so all those toys you grew up with, they're all getting killed, and then we're gonna get Stinger and Cup and Blur and Wheelie 
Rodimus. Cup? Cup was a real name of... Cup was an old-timey yes. veteran of Cybertron, the Cybertronian so. Wars. He stunk. Right. He stunk like shit. Like sour milk. He stunk <laughs> like sour. He was a cup of sour milk and dog <laughs> shit put together. All right, so Optimus Prime bites it in the movie. Yes. Much like the way Duke bites it in the G.I. Joe movie, Correct. right? Not an accident. Uh, was that... In, in the G.I. Joe movie, Duke dies in the beginning. Right before he kicks ass and, like, beats the shit out of, like, tons of Cobra and goes out very early. Does Duke heroic. bite it early? Well, yeah. this, this is, well, this is what Probably really happens. Early. This is what really happens. In the movie, Duke doesn't really die because they add an extra piece of dialogue where they're like, oh, he's gonna be okay. But he doesn't in really, release, in the original... He died. He didn't, he didn't die because in Transformers came out, Transformers the movie came out first. Optimus Prime died. Really fucking bad reaction because you killed a bunch of little kids' heroes. In they then released G.I. Joe the movie. The action looks like they killed Duke, but they over even in the theatrical release, they overdub that with, oh, he's gonna be okay. But in the artwork, they fucking killed him. But at the hospital, they say, Oh, he'll be alright. But they killed him in the plot. Does he make an appearance in the rest of the movie? No, but he comes back in the the cartoon. Didn't so. Prime? But they resurrected Prime. Like they they <clears throat> went out of their way to be like, oh, he's on this rocket ship. Yeah, they pulled the some. Fuck. They pulled some comic book bullshit. They, they to brought, resurrect Prime. In they the brought show. him back twice. You remember that? They had him. <clears throat> they brought him back, and then they had the the robot AIDS. In that one, the spores were breaking out. <laughs> the show was real tough to watch after the movie because they had... That's when they introduced, like, the Headmasters. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll give them credit for really branching out and going deep they into went, they Cybertronian went in, mythology. They went into outer space, and oddly, that's where it <laughs> that's all where went bad. <laughs> Did Prime get his revenge on Megatron after he came No, back? because Megatron no longer Megatron existed as a character. Megatron no longer existed as that character anymore because Megatron was um, thrown out of... Starscream throws Megatron out of the rocket... out of oh, Astro Astrotrain. Train. In the movie? In the yeah. movie. He throws him out of Astrotrain uh, as well as a lot of the other characters that Hasbro wanted to make new characters. <laughs> Unicron intercepts this this cloud of broken Decepticons, makes a deal with Megatron to change them and reconstruct them into Galvatron. Is it Scourge in the sweeps? Scourge in the sweeps? Cyclonus. Cyclonus. And, and gives Galvatron, who isn't Megatron, he still has a little bit of his memories, but he's not the same character anymore. Yeah, it's it's they kill Megatron essentially, and then when Megatron gets his new power, they kill Starscream. Like the only there's only three characters that make it out of that movie alive. Well, Big two Jazz, well, Bumblebee, one Jazz, and Jazz. Bu- Jazz and Jazz. Bumblebee are still alive because Bumblebee gets turned into Goldbug. Later on in the cartoon. In the cartoon. But not in the actual theatrical release. Because Bumblebee and Jazz 
were on the second moon that got eaten by Unicron. Was that but a in theatrical the car- release? That that part was in the theatrical re- release. No, what I'm saying is, what was the movie a theatrical release? Yes, I went to the I went to Showcase Cinema East to see Transformers the in, movie in uh, Monroeville. Yes, nice. I was horrified. Now, okay, so obviously that movie's responsible for you turning out the way in you the did. poor shape that I am in right now. Yes. Correct. Did you also see G.I. Joe in the theater? I didn't. Did, was I didn't. that a theatrical release? I don't know if it was. It might have been a it might have been straight to VHS. I remember actually. being I remember it being G.I. Joe the movie. It might have been straight never to it was actually released. I don't know theater. if I don't know if Transformers did well enough. I think Transformers did two things. It did poorly at the box office and destroyed the it's minds of all the children that saw it. So now now okay, so we were talking about uh, He-Man and how it's virtually unwatchable today. Is Transformers kind of the same thing? No, I don't think this. No, you it's, can still go back and watch Transformers. There are episodes here and there that are not good about Transformers, mm-hmm. but you can still go watch. Go back and watch the majority of those episodes. Still get a lot of enjoyment out of it. As Paul was saying before, the third season, which w- was took place after the movie. Was a, it was a lot different. There were a lot of different things that happened. Mm-hmm. And a was lot that when they introduced the Dinobots? No, no the Dinobots, Dinobots were actually in the first season. season. Oh, okay. First now, season. have you guys heard that about in the live-action movie, they're talking about bringing in the Dinobots? I mean, I don't even know if I care at this point. Uh, yeah. Because if it, if it, it's so far removed from what I love about the Transformers that I don't even relate the two they they're not the same property to me yeah yeah they're they're they they mean nothing to me kind of like the walking dead show and i would say that it's not it's not the same as that it's way different than that i can see how you can draw the parallel but i don't consider that the same so are none of the transformer movies are any good i enjoyed the first one first one was okay but it's still not it's it's not really the the characters that I grew up with. Was the third- Optimus Prime is very close though. I'll say that about the Transformer movies. His Optimus Prime is the closest and that they got right. And he fucks up. Hey, his name was Power Glide. Power Glide. Okay. The Burgundy Plane. Okay. And he does a number on Megatron in that movie, right? Like toward the end, he like destroys him when they yeah, finally tangle. Okay. That's a pretty good scene. What bothered me about the movie, they ripped my favorite Autobot, Jazz, apart. They rip, they rip his torso in half and throw him to the side. And I, could you get the, a more black character than Jazz in that first Michael Bay movie? He may as well be called Hot Wing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think the best scene in that movie actually wasn't even with any of the Autobots. It was a sequence where the U.S. soldiers are at that, like, outpost in the Middle East, and they have to deal with that Scorpion Decepticon, and then they call in for, like, the heavy artillery uh, airplane with, like, whatever kind of gun that was. I love that scene. I could watch that scene over and over. The problem I have with the Transformer movies is that, especially with the Decepticons, there are a lot of Decepticons that you could use in these situations. They choose to just make up whoever. 
and, and make up new characters. Ooh, sounds kind of like it, how it they does, do in The Walking it, Dead. Doesn't it sound or like that? like they do in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah. I, I or said, The Walking Dead. I said, I said that The Dark Knight Rises, that should be Tim Drake. I said that. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, the, like, there's no, no there's no excuse for what Michael Bay does with characters in those movies. They Ex- look like shit. He uses, you know, shitty replacement characters for characters you could use in the first place. Yeah. Okay, I know. You're not going to get a fucking 1980s minivan to be Ironhide. But he could still be red. But- he could still kind of resemble... The character, how about, the robot design, how about, the robots could kind of resemble the trucks and cars that they transform. How about Ironhide from? not be fucking British? How about that? He's Ironhide. He should be from the goddamn Midwest. And he has a British accent. Out. Sorry. Yeah, yeah he does have a southern accent, doesn't he, in British? the original series? In, in the original series? Because yeah. he's fucking Ironhide. Come on, Prime. You know, he's like that. <laughs> Christ. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Michael Bay took so many li- so so many licenses with that movie. It's unrecognizable to me as a Transformers. Movie. I don't get excited or upset anymore with the announcement of new Transformers movies because it's not something that I'm I don't get upset in whenever I see Michael Bay get attached to new movies. I didn't see Transformers two, but I heard it was awful. It was absolutely awful. The uh, third one was a little better. The third one looked kind of decent, I actually. Saw it, the it was a little better. And I that was the one in the theater. And that was all they made, right? Just the three. Yeah, this new one coming out before. With Wahlberg, with Mark Wahlberg, yeah. right? Yes. We're right there. Him replacing Shia LaBeouf is a step Probably in the right direction. I think it's a plus. I like Shia LaBeouf and everything he's done. And he could have been a good Spike if they decided to call him Spike and actually make him the character that he was supposed to be. If they did anything right in that first Transformers movie, it may have been okay. But it's like they purposely went out of their way to do everything wrong. There's nothing good about that fucking pile of dog shit. And that was it. And I, I watched I, I saw it sour milk. the one time, and I was out. Done right. with the franchise. Garbage. I thought that scene that I referenced was actually pretty good. Nothing good about it. Nothing good about that movie. I did not like the movie at all. Even the effects. Like, when you have two robots fighting, it's just a blur of... You can't really make it's out. It's just a blur of CGI metal. And it's, that's the, the only... That's the one thing that they fixed in the third one, is they slowed everything down. So you could actually kind of process what the hell was happening in each fight scene. That is a horrible compliment to pay to something that we love so much as the cartoon and toy property. And they made it about Shia LaBeouf. It wasn't about the Transformers. It wasn't about the robots and their play here and what they're trying to do and getting back home. It was about how the people react to Transformers. It was about Josh Dumel and Tyrese Gibson and Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. It wasn't at least about Megan, what the movie should have been about. At least Megan Fox had the good sense to get Show out. Show her butt. God damn, was she hot in that what? first one. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that's man, what put her she on the was path, man. fucking sexy in that first Transformer movie. Whenever they pull over to the side of the road, and she's got to pop the trunk open, she's sweaty. 
Great why, fucking stuff, man. Why did man. Megan Fox start to get such a bad rap? Uh, I feel. I think because she's a cunt and I she's really hard she, to because she's she really hard to work with. I have toe thumbs because she. Has, I don't know about that. That seems like because a, she had true. a really bad rap from working on that movie. Like a lot of negative press came out from cast and crew having to work with her. Like she was a big diva on it. Plus, she blew up in the media. Like she was everywhere, and she didn't really do out. anything to deserve as much. She was just really hot and in a really popular yeah, movie. So. But it wasn't about you being a good actress or even hot. It was about an '80s property that a bunch of nerds wanted to so, go see. Yeah, so a couple like the all the press that's oh, it's it's Megan Fox is hard to work with. Plus the fact that she was everywhere. It just soured everything on her. Maybe Plus she, the fact that she's not really a good actress. Right. Well, Maybe she recognized that it's a turd of a movie. Sour the, milk. Yeah, it's a sour milk of a movie. I would like to think that Megan Fox was in her trailer watching the old cartoon, just pissed like, this is nothing what I signed up for. I thought I was going to be Dr. Arkaville, but fuck. <laughs> yeah, like... Characters like Dr. Arkaville. Transformers had its problems, but, you know, as far as just really, really well done 80s series. And it's a it's a testament to the brand that every couple years there's a new Transformers cartoon. I haven't seen any of them. A lot of them seem to be gearing younger and younger these you days. You know what's really good? Trans- I think you're just getting older and older. Transformers Prime. It still has some of the movie sensibility. It kind of looks a little bit like that. Quality story takes some of the elements from the original cartoon. See, it's like, not the best, but like it's, it's good enough to watch. The more traditional designs, where you can look at, you can look at Bumblebee and say, "Okay, I see where this part go. This part becomes the car." Did we need to make Bumblebee a fucking Camaro? Mute. A mute? Well, well, kind I don't of. Give a shit about if you want that. that Chevy money? Yeah, you do. Seriously, yeah, you do, Dom. Was there? I mean. What would have been the closest alternative from GM? There was, I mean, that was nothing from GM, right but fuck that. That could have been right shit. around the time whenever the new bugs came out. There was a report was early but, on. That, but Matt made the great point. It has to be a tie-in yeah, there to was, GM. Well, there was a report early on that Volkswagen didn't want their brand used for that movie. That's weird, now, considering... Where the movie came from, I've I seen, Volkswagen. I've seen... Volkswagen do like they do Star Wars tie-ins in their real commercials. That makes no sense. Right, but, but the shit isn't getting messed up. Like, I guess like one of the in, in, initial pitches had like a Volkswagen car being total or something, and they didn't want they didn't want to show that their their product was inferior. Volkswagen so they is sold it back. Volkswagen is very big on safety. That's one of the big things that their regulations. They're some of the top. Standards, but what I think it was was Michael Bay going, a Beetle. That's not that's cool. not badass enough. <laughs> badass, make it a yeah. Camaro. Yeah, so, that's exactly what happened. So Michael Bay is in charge of, as we discussed, one of our other favorite childhood properties now. Bad Boys. Uh, bad Boys. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is he still in charge of that? I oh, think so. Yeah. And it's just called Ninja Turtles now, right? Jesus He's, Christ. Just take all, just call because it. Because they're not mutants anymore. Just, or just call it, they're, just they're call aliens, aliens, right? Call it ninjas. It's fine. They're call alien. it, I'm going to take your childhood and fuck it in the ass again. Sodomy ninjas. <laughs> 
So before I'm gonna see that. I think I've seen that. Before we go down, yeah, I saw that one too. Before we go down the negative Michael Bay road, because we're positive here on the Mix Sauce podcast, let's shift it over to Ian and give us your final favorite of animation. I gave a little taste of the just the tip, just a little bit of uh. Some of the odd stuff that I liked, like Jason the Wheeled Warriors and, and uh, Silverhawks. We'll bring it back. Everybody knows Thundercats. Um, Thundercats. Do we? who? Oh, geez. Matt. Matt's shaking his head like he doesn't know Thundercats. I know Thunder. Well, better than Silverhawks. Thundercats was a race of cat-like people that had to flee Thundera. Was a dying world, if you will. We Very know, Krypton-esque. We know all about dying worlds. And apparently they didn't have very many clothes on Thundera. Fuck no. That first episode like Avatar. was X-rated. They were all running around naked. Worlds uh, that were close in proximity to Thundera had the, the mutant tribes that were at war with the uh, Thundarians. They had He-Man sensibilities. When it came to clothing, like the the ab, they window. took He-Man sensibilities and the ab window, <laughs> and the and, and later on Panthro's strap kind of deal that he had going Panthro, on. Blackest brother in the galaxy. Damn straight. They so, should have made him darker. It, if he was going to be he, the black cat. He was going to be Panthro. They should have made him darker because he's real. They should have just took it and they just should have said Panthro. And just, oh. they should have just went all out with it. But they flee their dying world, crash land on third Earth. We're going to assume that that's just regular old Earth. The mutant tribe also... No, it's not third Earth, because there aren't people on third Earth. Um, I'm just saying, you know, you have to put Earth in there as well. Crash land, mutants crash land. They crash close to a pyramid inside said pyramid... Mumra, the ever-living, great fucking villain. Also, another transforming kind of villain. Starts out as a shriveled-up, old, little reptile-looking thing. Like a mummy. Turns into a ripped... Turns into Bane. (laughs) Juices up (laughs) and turns into a ripped flying craze. He does juice up, but he juices up with magic. He does. Is that is that okay? You can juice up with magic oh, and yes. not not Absolutely. chemicals. Absolutely, that's totally legal. As the Thundercats crash land on Third Earth, it's strange that Lionel's pod is broken a little bit, so he ages where all the other Thundercats do not age. He ages physically, but not mentally. So he's like a thirty-year-old dude with a fourteen-year-old body or thirteen-year-old brain. Leading the Thundercats with the Sword of Omens, which... I don't think I'd have let him lead at that point. I don't think that he should have led either. I'm not sure why the Thundercats kind of went along with that and said that it was okay for the 14-year-old to lead them. Um, Really, really good designs. Pretty, pretty risque designs, as we mentioned. The ab window is kind of crazy and uh, odd. It's something that they would put on the main yeah, character. They were, just, they were just 80s, 80s designs. Great fucking logo with the Thundercats. The really recognizable red yeah. and black 
The Thundercats logos really stood the uh, test of time. I was talking with my mother about the Thundercats logo today. And the, there's, kids, there's kids wearing the Thundercats logo that don't even know what it is. It's just a cool red and black cat. Yeah, the, the Thundercats were... I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to put them as the fourth tentpole of my childhood. But they were huge, man. I had... Tons of Thundercats figures. I watched it all the time. I'm sure it lasted three months, but had 200 episodes. Yeah, Dom, with the report, how long was Thundercats on? I'm on it. Was it a healthy two years? Thundercats was cool, but they like much like Transformers. You know, even when, like when Transformers introduced that second batch of Autobots, like Sea Spray and. Uh, Warpath and those guys. Warpath. Warpath was the yeah. tank, yeah. When Transformers introduced introduced those guys, they were way more... They were geared more towards kids. They all had, like, a different speech pattern. You know, Sea Spray talked like bubbles. Like he was talking underwater. Yeah, another one of... You know, one of them had a stutter. Like, they, they all... They all had some weird... Something weird about them that geared them more toward kids. I guess that's kind of what you have to do. A little bit. I mean, the Thundercats had the had Snarf. Yeah, but even they when also Thundercats had the, introduced that the, second wave of Thundercats, they they just never caught on. I just wasn't yeah. interested. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. I can't even. I'm, I'm flicking through the Wikipedia page, and I can't even really find any of the. Um, the second wave characters. 85 to 89. How about Bengali? I don't even remember what he was. He was a Bengal tiger, son. Was he? Yeah. I don't even remember. Thundercats had uh, some distinctive things that they did. Panthro was a mechanic. Uh, Chitara, a lightning quick... Panthro was a mechanic. So Panthers are good with, like, a wrench and a screwdriver. (laughs) Yes. Tara was a, a quick cheetah. Tigra had power of invisibility. Oh, I forgot about that. Wily Kit and Wily Cat, the twins. They were just kind of tricksters, they I want to say. They were just for the kids who enjoy the show. I like the Wily Kit and Wily Cat in the new series. Or in the, in the, the, short-lived, the short-lived 2011 reboot. That was pretty a pretty good version of it. They kept Lion-O. Really young. In they that kept a lot of, of the same art styles of all the old, like the elephant. I can't remember what they were called, like the, like the elephant people. Yeah, like they still look exactly the way they looked in '85. And that's a, like it, they, they they kept everything. They really just updated the show. They the, didn't really do too much in the way of changing it over. They really just like, okay, this was big back then. Let's redo it now, and they did it, and it was perfect. And it only lasted like two seasons. And they pulled from the source material and paid respect to it. They had the robot, the Robears, involved in oh, it. Oh, I forgot about the Robears. Terrible! They weren't as bad in the new version. No, they were okay in the new series. One thing that I read is a little Easter egg in the new series was that Monstar actually oh, is featured no. as a pilot of Mumra's spacecraft. In the episode called Legacy. Okay. So, I I didn't notice it, but I'll have to go back and watch it. But that's that's a cool Easter egg. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, with, with that second wave of characters, you got guys like the blind Lynx-O. 
Ouch. Or they weren't even trying. Bad naming characters. But you also have Pumara. Solids, Bengali. They're okay. But like none of those none of those characters were even remotely as iconic as Lion O and Panthro and Tigra, even though those names are kind of weak now that I say them out loud. On Maybe the it's the first time you hear them, O. <laughs> we'll make this guy House Cat O. I mean, even Mumbra. The Ever Living. But the uh, the Thundercats had some alright bad guys. I think that the, the like thun- Monkeyan. <laughs> Monkey O. It's 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 like Thundercats really wanted to cash in on the ways that He Man cashed or in. Jackalman. Or Jackalman, yeah, but but they were just a st- they were just a couple of steps behind. They just couldn't couldn't really make it happen. Retaro. Retardo, what? Retaro. Who's that? He was a rat dude. Oh Jesus. He was a rat general. So Matt, you you've been pretty quiet over there through Transformers talk and Thundercats talk. Are these two cartoons you have limited recollection of as a child? Correct. I had a few of the toys. Uh, a lot, you know, like a lot of these properties. Did you have a Rattoro toy? No, or no. Monkey and I. I remember vividly though that I did have uh, one of the. Um, Thundercat toys. He was a bigger character, if I remember correctly. He was like blue and white, um, kind of more like a, like a snow, brother. a snow maybe related type Bengali. one. Oh, Bengali. Bengali. I don't know. Is he if, Asian? if if I saw a picture of him, I maybe. could probably recognize him. But I can remember that I was with my mother, um, and we were like shopping, like at a department store or something, and I had, um. No, that's not him. Panthro? That's not Panthro either. He was a bigger character. Um, But anyway, I had left the toy at the department store Mm -hmm. because we couldn't find it anywhere. And I was so distraught. I was so upset. My mom even called the store to see if they had found it, and they didn't. And um, that was just a a tough lesson learned because I did not get a replacement action figure. It was just... One of my toys that that gone gone forever. So Into the ether. Hopefully, hopefully, some other little bastard kid found that toy and and took good care of him and played with him and you know my loss. But what was cool about the Thundercats toys is that they kind of took a page out of the He-Man book and they made their characters bigger. You know, the GI Joes and the Star Wars figures were three and three quarter inch height, but like you know, the He-Man guys were. Four inches, four and a quarter tall. Thundercats were also big and sturdy like that, but they didn't. But unlike the He-Man figures, they they didn't use the same mold for the body of the entire right, line. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and I had a couple of the He-Man toys, but the he or no, I'm sorry, not He-Man, Transformers. But Transformers was more my brother's territory. I was yeah. He-Man. My brother was Transformers. And uh, part of my problem with Transformers, and this all goes back to the toys, I couldn't transform them. I wasn't, I didn't have the dexterity to do it. I just couldn't figure it out ever. So fuck that. He-Man toys, much more manageable. <laughs> the only Transformer I, had... I had problem problems with was Trailblazer. Because I never had him. 
I, I never think had, that's why. I never had Trailblazer, but I didn't have trouble transforming anyone, I don't think. My old buddy James had Trailblazer, and I think it was just the unfamiliarity with Trailblazer. Yeah. And because he didn't look like he did on the fucking cartoon. There was a lot of that going on. Transforming him. Iron Hyde didn't resemble Ratchet. Iron Ham- Hyde. Same old, painted different. How about the fucking Skyfire bullshit? Oh my god. Where they god. took a Robotech figure it's, it's bad. and they put an Autobot logo on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's God that's damn bad. it. But they could have, what they could have did was just pop that head off and, and put a different head on, and it would have, it would have been passable at that point. You're right. That's all you needed. So, but, you couldn't transform Transformers. That's why you didn't like it? You weren't into the show at all? No, not at all. Um, It's not that I didn't like it. I just never really was interested uh, enough to check it out. Um, Basically, I'm still like that to this day. Uh, Arrow is a perfect example. Just not interested enough to even try. You just hate watching things on TV. If Arrow was a movie, he'd be all in. Starring Steve Martin and John Candy, this guy would be all in. Hey. Hey. Listen, Steve Martin, John Candy. Oh, I know. Um, for example, the current Turtles show. That's a show I enjoy. Very enjoyable show. Ian, do you have anything more to add about Thundercats? Nope. I liked it. Let's wrap it up with Matt's final entry for the night. Okay, so I'm going to go with not a show, because you said we could do features as well. Yes. Um, I think this is, I want to say this is the best animated feature of all time. Boom, boom, boom. That's bold statement. It's bold. It's controversial. I know. A lot of people say it's Beauty and the Beast. You and I have been on a wavelength tonight. Do you want to ruin it now? You already ruined it with Transformers. Get out of here. Um, that wasn't ruined because you're just nonplussed by Transformers. I'm not, and I learned what that word is from last week's podcast. Yes, I am nonplussed. Right, but you're not against. I'm not against. I'm for it, actually. It's um, not a RoboCop situation. No, not at all. I'm I'm all for Transformers. I just don't have the um, the knowledge base or the history with it. All right. I mean, I do to an extent because growing up in my house, it was a big part of my childhood. But it just wasn't something that I was that into. Like, I had a couple of the toys. Like, I had the um, the the Autobot boombox. Blaster. Blaster, Blaster yeah. Uh, and I could build him. He was pretty easy. Um, and I like... Soundwave light. Yeah. He really was. Soundwave. He was bigger, was Very though. easy to He build. was bigger, he was. but easier to build. And he was all plastic, whereas Soundwave was one of those first-gen guys who yep. was... Had some, had some metal... Yep. Fuck do I miss Diecast? My toys. brother, on the other hand, had all the fucking toys, um, and, and he kept all the the packaging where on the back you had oh, the infrared oh, yeah. codes. How yeah. cool were those? See, my cousin had all the Transformers. No, my cousin had all the Thundercats and Turtle and Ninja Turtle toys. Yeah. I had GI Joe and He Man. Yeah. And, so and, like, if I if I was going over to his house. I had certain toys that I played with over there. So if when you, you combined forces, you were unstoppable. I think ideally we were. Yeah. So Matt said he's going to unleash the greatest animated venture of all time on us. 
Let feature film. It. Feature film. I no. thought a feature film, but what I got from what you said was that it spanned all animation. Um, no, I shows and movies a little bit apples and oranges, so I don't want to go there. But I will say, I think in my opinion, this is my favorite animated feature ever. Rockadoodle. No. Oh, okay. Good. Um, the, the Iron Giant. Oh, oh, very good. Uh oh. Of all time. Why are you making that face? Because it's not that good. Vin Diesel's son? He's half black. It's okay. We think. It's okay. It's okay. Of all time. Yes. Yes, exactly. Just like I said. Of all time. What what is better? Snow White. Any of the things that any of the properties we mentioned tonight. Fucking Jason the World Warriors. Better. Okay. Clearly, Ian wasn't present, even though he was sitting right here when we clarified feature. Feature. We can't name it, but Batman is better. Um, fucking the the incredible feature film. Yeah, ba- film movie. Ba- yeah, yeah. Ba- what, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm is better. It, it, it's it's good, but no, it's not. That's based off the. Batman I mean, you can say that, but you. I will. I will wrong. take. I would be correct. I will take wrong. your Iron Giant and raise you either Snow White or Sleeping Beauty. Ooh. A lot of people do say Sleeping Beauty is the best. Um, Any Pixar movie, pick one. I I wanted to... I enjoy you know, Finding Nemo more. Than How, the when's Giant. the last time you've seen Iron Giant, Ian? A while ago. How long ago? In the last po- five po- years? Possibly ten years. Maybe ten years. Iron Giant was on HBO a couple months ago. I'm not here... By the way, I'm not here to be negative. I'm just saying with that hype... He's just and, here to be Nelly. Uh... <laughs> with, with with the hype in the lead-in as the greatest film, animated film of all time, it's bold. And I'm saying that I disagree with it. That's that, cool. That is bold. But it's, it's, a, it's controversial, but... Yeah. But tell me, win me over, Matt. You have very convincing arguments. You have ten seconds, go! <laughs> Let, <laughs> says Dom. <laughs> Let, so Dom's going to chime in like, well, that's it, folks! Thanks, thanks for joining us. Somewhere around seven seconds, I'll cut you off. You're good. Uh, Matt, your power of persuasion is unrivaled. Please, go. Enlighten me. Okay, well, I mean, it's all opinion. It's just my opinion. But uh, I believe that it is a uh, a fairly layered story as far as um, the, the various plots throughout, the characters... It has a, a certain level of maturity that goes beyond, you know, like I think your your traditional um, animated feature film, particularly like a like a Disney movie. Really, um, a lot of the times Disney movies are based on you know classic literature, like I don't know, The Lion King, for example, is is based on Hamlet. Um, and, uh... Or just any of them, fairy tales. Yeah, any of them based on fairy tales, which, obviously, incredibly, uh... Classic storylines that have clearly withstood the test of time. The Iron Giant, on the other hand, is based on, like, a poem from the late 1960s, uh, and the storyline in The Iron Giant, we've all seen it here, but maybe... Some of the listeners haven't seen it. It's it's 
takes place in the height of the Cold War era, uh, and it features a, a boy named Hogarth Hughes, who um, is a little bit of an outcast, who comes across uh, this huge metal robot uh, in the woods one day when he's just out in the woods. And um, he becomes best friends with this robot. And uh, as it turns out, being at the height of the Cold War, there are U.S. government officials that are very interested in this thing because they think it's from space, which it is. And they're, they think maybe it's Russian because of the, um, you know, the, the arms race with Russia at the time. So basically they just want to destroy it. And all Hogarth wants to do is keep it hidden and protected. And um, so it's a story about friendship. It's a story about, like, paranoia, par- paranoia at the height of the uh, Cold War. And on top of that, it's got incredible 2D animation mixed with cel-shaded 3D animation. So it was a bit of like a a new thing for its time. I think it came out in 99, and it was a bit of like a technological leap, kind of combining the two 3D and 2D seamlessly. Um, And to me, it's like just an incredibly touching story, and... Frankly, it's got one of the best endings I've ever seen in a movie. Um, you know, you could tell me about Snow White and the Seven Dwarves all day long, but the ending just doesn't get you the way the ending of The Iron Giant does. Um, the acting performances are all awesome. I thought that kid, whoever he was, was incredible. It was Hogarth Hughes. Um, Kent Ellie Mansley, Osment, I believe it was. <laughs> Kent Mansley. Uh, Eli Marenthal. Who who was Kent Mansley? What was the actor's name that played Kent Mansley? Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald was so funny in Shooter that McGavin. movie. It was great. Wow. Shooter McGavin, yeah. Or the stepdad from Dutch. That's right. Oh, that's true. Nice. Nice. Uh, and then, of course, you have uh, the handsome Harry Connick Jr. As Dean McCoppin. That's right. And uh, Jennifer Aniston as Hogarth Hughes' mom. Annie. Annie. Uh, so it's got a nice and, cast. And the Iron Giant? The Iron Giant is the uh, half-black Vin Diesel. It hasn't been proven that he's half-black. He's half-something, but we don't know what that half is. We're pretty sure it's black. We're f- kind of sure, but we don't. That's what kind of means. We don't know. Say what you want. So yeah, Vin Diesel. Um, so yeah, love the setting, love the art style. Uh, love the, the music and um, the, all the acting. I mean, it, it to me, it transcends it being an animated movie. It's it's it could have been live action and it would have been just as powerful. Um, and it's a shame that there aren't more two D feature films. This it it was really one of the last great ones. <clears throat> was um, the Disney what? Frog Prince was that the last two D animated feature? Uh, Frog Prince from Disney, Princess yeah. Prince, Frog, Princess yeah. and the Frog, yeah, Some, whatever that's called? called, with Tiana. You know the one with the black princess. We got a theme going on here. Tonight. That's my niece's favorite. <laughs> that's princess. the one where Hot Wing comes in and saves the Frog Princess. Was it Panthro and the Frog? <laughs> How badass would that be? Fucking sweet. 
Yeah, I, 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 that Isn't was... Stratos supposed to be black too, according to you? He's totally black. So is Boba Fett under that mask. I met. We met Boba Fett. He's an English <laughs> gentleman. It's British. Nice chap. It's Alfred Pennyworth. <clears throat> yeah, what, um, I saw the Iron Giant maybe within the last eight, nine years, I'll say, but I really liked it. It was a really good movie. I'm not sure I'm ready to put it as best animated feature of all time. Well, it's I'm, a really I'm racking that's what I'm balking at is is the high, the heights that I, I mean obviously it it's opinion based. I asked what's better. You told me Snow White. You told me Batman, and you said Sleeping Beauty, which admittedly I have never seen. <gasps> how dare you, sir? However, however, I do know that it is part musical. Um, and, uh... Does that get your dick hard? Not so much, <laughs> no. Like, like, teacups so and... Teacups and, um... Beating the Beast? Yeah, shit, and candlesticks, singing but aren't and dancing. all Disney joints part musical? Yeah. 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 And, and I'm not, like, totally against musicals, because I love The Nightmare Before Christmas, although I don't consider stop-motion animation... I don't classify that in here, because if that I was... doesn't count? I don't That's know. a good one. It, I know all the hype, but I fucking love that one, too. I do, too. And and if we're counting that, then maybe I'm going to revise my statement from before. But That's a great one. I was kind of just thinking 2D, 3D, and I wasn't so much thinking yeah. live or stop motion. But um, to me... Because they very, get all crazy and put, like, all, <laughs> like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Master, yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, A close second for me for... for Great animated movie is, um, I'll just lump them together as one would be the Toy Story trilogy. I think those are so fucking good. I never thought, I never saw the third one, but the really? first two was really good. Third one's excellent. excellent, but the the second one in particular, I feel, is the most like kind of well realized, original, kind of outside the box thinking yeah. with that toy collector. I, I love that one. Incredibles is a really good one, too. It is. Actually, Incredibles is directed by Brad Bird, who also directed The Iron Giant. It all ties back together, folks. There you have it. So, let us know your thoughts. What's the best animated movie of all time? I think we covered a lot of ground tonight. We could still, I think, we could still go around one more time if we wanted to. And do an, another set of stuff. <clears throat> we we are animation people. We love our TV shows. We love our live action. But man, don't we get boners for animated shit? That's true. Thank you, Dominic. I agree. I do have more on my list, actually. But we're gonna wrap it here right now. Three from each of us. We want to thank you, listeners, for listening, staying with us for. For the four to five hours that you've stayed with us through this podcast. And before we sign off, we would like to remind you about the Toys for Toss charity. Visit McSauce.com at the bottom of the page. Any donation is helpful. December 12th is a cutoff date. Um, please uh, donate something by then. And uh, the following day, we here at McSauce will go out and buy a shit ton of stuff for needy children. So, uh, donate shoot us uh, a line on twitter uh, let us know what you think about the podcast my name is Paul McGinty Ian Sharpley Thank you so.
and Dominic Yossi. Special guest, as always. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. Thing is it?